Welcome to Cup Talk. I'm Nick. And I'm Mason. Hey, Mason. What's up, dude? Hey, Nick. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, life is good. We're back here recording another episode. Yeah, I mean, last weekend, last week seemed like a really long slash like short week. Like, when I think back to all the things I did last week, like it feels like it was a really long week, but it also feels like it was a really short week. Yeah. I had <laughs> a really boring week last week after the episode. I mean. <laughs> boring or, yeah my my full-time job everybody was like on leave for their kids spring break because uh, they're like most most of them are all based out of utah county and that was their alpine district spring break and so it was like really slow and then i had drill saturday sunday and, and it was just like it felt like all week i was just kind of waiting for like oh, i gotta go to drill i gotta go to drill <laughs> and i was the acting commander this uh, weekend because my commander was was out of town for a course and so I think it was kind of like all weekend. I was like, it's not, it's not that big of a deal, but you know, I'm just a man accountable this weekend. Like, it's okay. It's okay. But so, uh, yeah, you just couldn't wait to get back here, record. And then, episode. yeah, looking forward to Monday. Hey, here we are. But what about you? You had a birthday for the daughter. Dude, I had Alex. like a, I think back to last week and it seems like forever ago. Like I said, like, yeah, like a uh, Tuesday I went and met with the Syracuse city. Right. About, you know, like getting hockey opportunity here in Syracuse. So that went really well. Um, it, at least we're going to get somewhere where kids can play hockey. Like whether that's street or a full-blown ice rink. We're going to kind of do some groundwork. And hopefully through the podcast we can kind of, you know, get that's people on board. You know, I mean, well, not really from the podcast. It's more like I you know, yeah. I've been literally like trying to get this interview, like not it was an interview, but like meeting with Syracuse City since like the beginning of January. Do they want a rink in Syracuse then? Well, of some type. Um, or? you know, a lot of people have asked me like, what did they say? And basically, they've said that you know, as long as I mean, the million dollar question is like, is it feasible? Right. Which is the hard thing, um, but. If it's feasible, which, you know, an ice rink is never really feasible. It's hard to make profitable. (laughs) It it, it is. And so, but more or less, they want to know if people will use it. And I really think that people, People Syracuse City really wants to bring people, you know, from the highway into Syracuse, which they've had a really tough time doing, I guess. So an ice rink, I told them like, well, there you go. You're going to draw. You're going to have people handcuffed to like have to come out here because everybody needs ice time and everybody will go anywhere. I mean, I'll drive an hour for ice time. You'll drive an hour for ice time. Yeah, we're already doing it. You know, it. you're when you played youth hockey, you drive wherever there's ice time, you know, and all these teams, all of them are looking for one thing and that's ice time. So, yeah, I and think the plus you got like, you know, in the winter time you can do public skates and yeah, and you know, that's what I and that's theme what nights I, and stuff like that yeah, to get the the general public out too. Yeah, and that's what I said is like I mean every time you know winter rolls around like everybody wants to ice skate, everybody wants to play hockey, everyone wants to try yeah. whether it's curling or broom hockey or whatever. Like there's plenty of opportunities, and I explained that like hey if it's if it's roller, like you know people don't pay to go play tennis on a tennis court. People don't play pay to like go rollerblading on the trail. So if it's a street rink, that's great and it'll get used, but it won't bring in any revenue. Yeah. So but I said if there's ice, people pay for ice whether that's public skate or, you know, mm-hmm. any sort of hockey or figure skating. So, you know, we kind of like 
I kind of pitched the ideas of either a street rink at, at least or like a winter rink, you know, kind of like an outdoor mm-hmm. rink. And if they can do, yeah, a seasonal one like that, you could try and run street rink in the summer. Yeah. So, I mean, I got to I gotta now get do my homework. And if anybody out there, you know. <laughs> knows what, how to get this process started this yeah, fall. If anybody has any hookups, you know, with any. You got a contractor in the family or something. It's <laughs> <laughs> willing to, you know, I just For do. some investors. Yeah. So. Um, so that's the goal right now. I'm going to put out some, I'm going to work on some, uh, surveys of some sort to see, you know, like if people would they use it, how far they would drive, you know, what they would use it for, how many hours a week. So yeah, that's kind of my homework and, you know, finding out how much these really cost to make, whether it's, you know, from a street hockey rink, you know, porn cement to a full blown, you know. NHL size rink, but it'll probably be like a small barn, but you know, the Syracuse barn. <laughs> yeah. We got, uh, put out a poll or a voting for names or something. Huh? <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe Syracuse will want like some rec center or Syracuse ice center, but yeah, you know, Hey, sell some naming rights, to some teams. Maybe we welcome there to we cup go. talk, uh, ice rink. <laughs> welcome to cup talk ice. Yeah. Maybe we'll the get sheet. a, maybe we'll get our, our name on like a seat in the, you know, on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> like, Can we make our own big old vinyl? Lay it down on the ice when they're pouring it. That's right. Like, no, no, we're supposed to be here today. This goes on the ice. Let's just volunteer to help put in the ice, and then we'll just, just throw it down, like in a corner they don't see as much. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. How long has that been there? Uh, well, they're not getting it out now, yeah. so. Unless you want to take this whole thing apart. It's kind of like when they filmed that Disney movie up at the Acorn, and like the, the middle said hounds for how long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the windows yeah. were like checkered, blue, and clear to yeah. be their colors, and they just left it forever. And then, yeah. Once the logo's in the middle, you know, <laughs> until we take the ice out again in three years, it's going to yeah. stay there. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a big deal. And then the rest of the week was pretty busy. My nephew came home from his mission, and we went and did that. You know, he's hoping to get back out on the ice. There we go. <laughs> he he had just gotten on the ice for like, you know, started to play hockey right before he left on his mission. So we're yeah, hoping it was time to go. Maybe we'll get him back, you know, on the ice. So Good. and then yeah, then there was the birthday party and dance competition and man, that was all Oh really? Family dance competition or um, kids? No, like a kids. Nice. <laughs> no, this was like Alice's. So her birthday was on Saturday, so we did the yeah. party on Friday. And then Saturday, she had a dance competition on her birthday. So, oh, that's right. Which, you know, it was the Egyptian theater and it had a whole blown list of other things that went wrong and right and everything with that. So, you know, dance competitions and hockey games. Ah, were you trying to watch that championship game during this? No, this was during the day. This was during the morning. So, um, you know, it's just a different ball game. Oh yeah, like you got a you're two different kinds of dads here. You know, you're with like Lex on the ice and, and Coach <laughs> Nick, and then you're like supporting your daughter. Like, it's so great. That was a great dance. Yeah, great and, performance. And there, there was some like accessibility things, and Autumn couldn't get to the dressing room. Oh, and like be. she had sister in laws and mom that kind of pitched in and helped and and stuff. But like I went to go run something to the dressing room, and like it was cupcakes for her birthday for her dance team, and I literally like pulled up to like. The doorway and i like just like looked in and there's this all these girls getting ready and like dude those dance moms all stared at me like i was you're creeping like <laughs> yeah you're a pervert. i was like i was like i brought cupcakes <laughs> you know and yeah. i just i just turned around and like 
went back out the hallway and I saw a, a mom that had been at the party the night before. And I was like, here, these are for Alice. Give them to Alice. <laughs> I'm not going back in there. <laughs> I'm not going to step foot in there. <laughs> so we did that. And, and then, yeah, came home, watched some hockey and, you know, and it was a good day. Good day. And a good cool. weekend, you know. That's cool. So good for her. How, busy, how old did uh, she turn? Seven. Big seven. seven. Big number seven. Yeah, lucky number seven. Was it on on the tenth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know the championship game for the D one college. You want to just jump into college? Let's talk it. Dude. Let's let's switch it up. Let's go to college first. Yeah. So yeah, I, did you watch the games on Thursday? Like, no. I mean, I mean it was a the shootout. You know, it wasn't a shootout, but like basically like back a, and forth, back and forth between Minnesota State and Saint Cloud, and yeah. then you know the Minnesota Duluth and uh, UMass game. Like that one was like. It was so boring, and like I was way more excited to watch that one. And it was, it just looked like Minnesota to lose, yeah, was just gonna win. Like, and then the last like 10 minutes of the game, like UMass just turned it up. And these Minutemen came out of nowhere, and they and they, you know, they tied it up. And it was like, oh my gosh, we're going to OT now, yeah. And and I thought they oh, they were about to win it in regulation, and there were some close calls, but you know, they went to overtime. and that was one of the most exciting like overtimes I've watched in a lot in a while, and it just seemed like earlier in the game Minnesota Duluth was so much more dominant. And you know this was the champ rematch of the championship game last year was UMass and du- and Minnesota Duluth and oh were they, they were du- the two yeah Minnesota Duluth won so and UMass just seemed like like it was back and forth but like every time UMass got a chance it seemed like it was going to be the chance at the end of the game yeah and it it. It ended up being the you know the end of the game and UMass won and they weren't going down with the L this time <laughs> and it kind of showed you know in that next game that you know they were the better team oh my god and that was the better of the two teams you know in out yeah. of the four that were playing so they yeah that they really came out strong in that championship game five nothing like just <laughs> yeah. stomp St Cloud State after both teams you know one goal games one of them going into overtime one of them being what a five four game yeah. And being a five zero win, so it was. I mean, UMass got their first ever yeah. championship game for the Minutemen. Yeah, I was kind of surprised about that. I just feel like all these yeah. Massachusetts schools would have yeah, UMass a championship like at some point. Yeah, UMass, Boston University, Boston College. I feel like they're always yeah in they're the always mix in the or mix. we're always hearing about them. So I mean, that was really exciting for them, and you know, I, and they yeah. were cutting up the the net like piece by piece. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty. Just, that was embracing pretty fun. all of it. I mean, that'd be a cool memento to have. Yeah. So I will was, say, did you see the highlight? I watched the highlights. That redirect, the redirect goal that won for St. Cloud State against Minnesota. That was sweet. Yeah. Yeah. He was like from the opposite side, like hash marks, and he it, it almost tipped this shot yeah. into the other corner. It looked pro. I mean, these kids yeah. are probably all you know draft eligible if systems already are drafted. Get drafted you know? Yeah. So. No wonder they're pulling moves like that. But that was pretty freaking like, dude, that was legit. Like that was some serious hand-eye coordination <laughs> and just like the awareness to know like where you where the net is from where you're standing. Yeah, because on. like I mean, you always tell the kids like, on net, on net, on net. And this was what, like five, six feet wide? Yeah. Well, he, yeah, he was like on the left side from that left point, And then he like tipped it to hit the right corner. Yeah. Top right. It was just... Yeah, it was wild. Like, because it was, was going to go far right. Yeah, you're right. Like, <laughs> it was going to go far right. Yeah. And but what a way to win the game and end it. But yeah, only and, to go down five zero in the championship yeah. game. 
And then it ended up being the, you know, only one of the Minnesota, the three Minnesota teams, you know, made it. And, you know, yeah. you had three Minnesota teams in that, in that final a 75% four. 75% chance of getting and, one of their teams. And UMass won. <laughs> They're just like, nah. <laughs> you know, Minnesota doesn't win anything. So, you know, college hockey was definitely exciting. And hopefully next year we can get a, a better season, a fuller season, I guess you could call it. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean... It was awesome. I love watching college hockey. You know, it's it's a fun to watch, you know, and hear these guys that are draft, you know, already drafted. It's kind of like watching the World Juniors, I think. So, mm-hmm. it's fun to watch. And didn't didn't that Kel McCarr just come out of UMass last year? Yeah, he the came out of there. Yeah, he came out last year. I think he played with them and then, you know, and then yeah. jumped over after the season was well, over. So, we all, we all know how well he's doing this year <laughs> in the NHL, so. Yeah, so that UMass team is really pumping out some talent. So, um, yeah. Um, I mean, had a men's league game on Friday. Yeah, let's talk about and, that. Uh, it, was the, it was the playoff game against, uh, you know, the young Kia. Actually, the guy who runs the young Kia is, my, is a guy I coached with last year and I'll coach again with next year because our kids are a year apart. But So we're pretty good friends and, and uh, so it was fun to play those guys. It always is fun to play those guys. And it's funny that, like, over the years, like, these guys have all been, like, you know, rivalries. We've, we've slowly become friends, you know, just because yeah. we're playing all the time and coaching together and stuff. So, I mean, it was a good game. I think we ended up winning uh, 5-2. Nice. Wasn't this the team you said you were struggling against? Or, like, kind of it was your... No, this team, I mean, I, I think in, like, in... The Beavers' history, like we've probably lost this team in the playoffs more than any other team. So, okay, <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason, yeah, they're all they've all played a lot of high school together. They all most of them played at Davis, and now they all play together. So, you know, I think that's why they play good together and stuff. So, uh, it was a five-two win. It, you know, I felt that's like nice. I, I felt like I played pretty good. And two goals. And, and like after the game. I, I, you know how we talked a couple weeks ago about how I forgot about the game. And yeah. My team was like pissed at me. And uh, so uh, I'm sitting there. It's after Alice's birthday party. You know, kids have gone home. There's, you know, the, the cousins are still over. And my sister in laws were here and they're just talking. And I'm sitting on the couch, just like, you know, like just, I think I was watching the hockey game. I was watching the college and, uh, um, we're just chilling and I was like, no, it wasn't a college. It was NHL, but, uh, we're chilling. And because this is the day before birthday and, uh, I'm just sitting there and I get a Facebook message from a guy on the team. It was like, Hey, won't be at the game tonight. Let me know if we win. And I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> I got a game tonight. <laughs> this is 45 minutes before puck drop. This is this almost happened again. Then. Yeah, playoffs, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" I and I just like jumped up and I said, "Autumn, I got a game. We gotta go." And they were like, "Well, I guess that's bye." <laughs> See ya. We all jumped in the car, jetted up there, and I wasn't gonna tell the team until if we won. You know, if we lost, I probably would have never told them that. But like, yeah. we won, and they're like, "Nick, you played really good." You know, and blah blah blah. And I'm like. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was sitting on the couch, and, you know, good thing Chris wasn't going to be there, and he texted me and said he won't be there because uh, that's the only way I would remember to show up. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. They're, just, they're, they're like, that's exactly what we want to hear from our goalie. Yeah, so, Thanks I mean. Again, Nick. I, I was like, hey, 
text me every game, let me know. And maybe it's because I'm so used to like sending a text before yeah. every game that, you know, we play and stuff. And so, and I mean, big news coming up next season in the old Bountiful Senior Hockey League. Uh, big news. Welcome to Cup Talk, team. Enter in the mix. <laughs> That's right. We're going to be ha- repping that logo. Yeah. That branding in the Bountiful Men's League. Yeah. So that's going to be fun. I haven't broke the news to my team that I'm going to be shipped out. <laughs> Dang, sorry, guys. And that's that's like the position, too, like goalie. Like when you get the goalie locked in, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I mean, mean, there's I, usually enough guys that want to play. Yeah. I, and I, maybe, maybe I'll play goalie for them and skate out for us and get some. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Mace is not too confident in my skating skills. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so. It's gonna be a blast. I'm super excited, and we're 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 bringing back the the the, the Beaver Squad, or you want to call it, but we're gonna kind of be a split squad. Half the team's gonna play on a on another yeah. team, and so and some of us, because you know, I I honestly I built this team in one day. <laughs> yeah, you've been wheeling and dealing today. And, uh, I I was you know I was it was funny because I was watching the trade deadline today, and all these GMs talking in this and doing this. the same stuff, and then. 11 o'clock hit and boom I was on the phone I was texting I was calling I was you know signing yeah. deals you know <laughs> no, <just kidding. laughs> another signing I, I was, I was another play, signing yeah yeah I should have posted on the Instagram you know like all those colleges and you're stuff. like the Ogden Mustangs over here you know with their five signings <laughs> <laughs> Mason White committed to the Welcome to Cup Talk men's league team <laughs> Friday nights he's ours Next Dre season. committed <laughs> <laughs> Everybody forgot about Dre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, we're going to be splitting up the brothers, too. Like, I'm not going to be playing on the same team as, yeah, you know. The, Mark and Nick Van Komen. We're going to be split. Closing so. forces. You know, it's always fun. Mark's one yeah. of those brothers that I love playing against. I love playing against both my brothers. Like, usually if we're, you know, we do the Beaver mm-hmm. Knights, like, I put Ben and Mark on the other team because I want to, you know, I want to yeah. beat them. So it's fun to have that, like, inner family rivalry and stuff, so. Maybe, you know, who knows? I'm excited to see how it goes, you know, yeah. Yeah, you know. I'm, I was cool. I was excited that Mark was, like, down with it, too, and he was like, yeah, we'll split you guys up, put Mark on the other <laughs> team, and tell me, and yeah. it's going to be a good time. Um, so, or, I, you know, whether we get Benny, too, or they get Benny, I don't know. I don't know. I guess what we'll might see. have to see in the draft, you know. But, you know, yeah, what the expansion happens draft. And, yeah. <laughs> the Battleful Senior Hockey League's expansion draft going on. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if we have to keep working this way, we can shift. Every season or something, you know, I don't know, swap teams. <laughs> have so have some like, trades. Yeah, so you're not always playing on the other team or the Welcome to Cup Talk team, you know. You I know. think it'd be fun, like, if men's league teams had, like, that. Hey, we'll trade you this guy for this guy, you just, know? Yeah, keep, mix it up a little bit. <laughs> instead, you guys, instead of just, like, hating each other and be like, how do I get better players to be you next year? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, wheel and deal, you know. Yeah. Send them some, some money or some, you know, or... New Jersey. Hey, we'll buy you guys new socks if we can have him and him. So we'll send over new socks and Billy for Joe and Bob. <laughs> and you'd be like, wait a minute, you traded me for a box of socks? You know, the guy on the end of that. It's like, you know, you always hey, be like, I'm not paying your contract and they're not paying a contract for you. So socks, that's a pretty good buy. You know, that's a pretty good deal. 
We got, he got traded for a used bag of bucks. Yes. <laughs> a used puck bag. Just think, man, there was some kid cut from the basketball team for a golden retriever in Air <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Probably an MVP, too, you know. Yeah. Most valuable chip. No, yeah. primate. That's the primate. I forgot about that one. <laughs> These animals just getting, you know, people's cut from the team. But yeah, yeah Air taking that spot. Air No one ever thought about that kid. Yeah, what, what what did he end up being like? You know, was it a Cobra Kai story where his he, whole life just turned around <laughs> for the worse? He like hates dogs. <laughs> yeah, he's got like seventeen cats now. <laughs> he started a rival team with cats. He's got like a picture of Air Bud's face, you know, on a wall with like a map of darts, you know, like, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> at the end, like an investigator. <laughs> I hate that dog. <laughs> That damn dog <laughs> ruined my life. Oh man, that's that's hilarious. But yeah, so exciting things going on in men's league, and uh, so that we'll be playing for the championship this this weekend. That's exciting news. Friday night, you know. What time? Where? Um, probably nine fifteen. Bountiful. So all right, you know, stop in, come see Nick. You know, at his finest championship game. Yeah, I mean, I've only. I've been in the men's league in Bountiful a lot of years, and I've only won the championship once, and it wasn't with the Beavers. <laughs> it was one of the way. Beavers' hiatus summers, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I joined, I joined uh, Bo's team, and we won the championship. So nice. I'm hoping this this season we can we can bring it home to oh. wherever home is. But you know, yeah, exactly. Whatever home is, that's yeah, it's gonna go. I. In a similar way, I played in the county since like 2012 or 2013. And only I won one winter championship in one summer. Oh, nice. Took second place like three or four seasons oh, in a row. The Beavers probably oh. took second place more than any other team ever in the Bountiful Senior Hockey League. <laughs> it's so frustrating. It's <laughs> it's like I'd almost rather just get knocked out early than take second place every year. We did win one in the Ogden League. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You're did one, win, one and did. done, right? Yeah, we it? won Beavers of... We won the first championship in Provo, and that set you know, that set the bar high. Right. And then we won once in Ogden. So, yeah. So it's going. You know, we'll see. I mean, it's, we're not coming back as the Beavers, so we're coming back as Welcome to Cup Talk, and um, yeah, yeah, people will be playing with Bo's team, and that's great, and it'll be fun, and yeah, looking it'll forward be a good to time. it. Looking forward to it. So. Um. Yeah. What do you want to go to next? Let's talk. Uh, we talk about uh, what these Grizzlies have been doing. Oh yeah, the Grizzlies. We talk. You know about mention our our last interview. Our yeah. local boy Garrett Metcalf. Yeah, got a little. You know, podcast boost from the Welcome to Cup Talk podcast. You know, that's right. He's he's feeling high. Got the <laughs> moment, uh, you know, riding the momentum after coming on. I mean, overall, it wasn't. You know, the the greatest weekend for the Grizzlies. They only got one. They got one win. Yeah. out of the three games, but. I mean, it was close, man. Yeah, it was I mean, close. they lost by one. Was it? Was it a shootout on Friday? I, it was just a, lo- a four or five. Just loss, a four or five but loss, but yeah, and they lost, and uh, and they scored all four goals in the second half of the second period. Yeah, they they scored them all quick in the second, and that was it. <laughs> and that was it. That was their good period, you know. And so maybe if they would have spreaded that out a little bit more, they could have you know kept that mojo going. Yep, they also had Kevin Carr in night in that that night, not Garrett. So yeah, and you know. Garrett played the next night, and unfortunately, you know it's kind of one of those things where like you're the goalie, you can only not lose the game, you can't win it, and mm-hmm. he let in one goal, and they lost one Man. zero. So that's, that's always tough. A, yeah, it is a tough thing as a goalie to lose one zero. 
Yeah, he had he was twenty seven to twenty eight. Yeah, you know, ninety six percent save percentage. It, it's tough to see that. You know, to see your team lose still. I mean, there's only so much you can do from the net. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he got he got the start the next night and, and he rallied. Yeah, and they won what two one two one. Yeah, and they and he gets another first star of the game. Yeah, so hey, local boy, you know, showing up for the home team. Um, you know, on the podcast this last week with an awesome interview. If you haven't heard it, go listen to it because yeah. that was one. Honestly, it was one of my favorite interviews we've ever done. Garrett is a well-spoken man, individual. He's got his own podcast, and you can definitely tell yeah. the way he talks. And he's just very good at you know analyzing conversations, why it's happening, and making everything applicable to life. That just such a cool guy and a great dude to talk to. And he's just a very accomplished hockey player, but super humble. Yeah. So, I mean, glad to see that he got a win. I mean, his goals against average for two games was one goal, and he only got one win. <laughs> I know, yeah. And he's 2-1 and one as a starter. I was looking at his, like, total stats. He's got a 90, just under 97% save percentage. That's, he's that's, taken 90 shots. Dude, that's only, legit. He stopped 87 of them. That's freaking, that's nuts. He's only let in one goal every game. His goals against average is, you know, one. Yeah. In two of those three games, he's been the first star. Yeah. So, you know, I think he's going to do good. And hopefully, like we said, you know, we'll get in the playoffs. And then Kelly Kelly Cup champion. Yeah, I would love to see. That would be awesome to see him hoist that. Oh, yeah. This season. But either way, I think with him on the team, that, you know, gives him a definite bump. um, You know, or a a definite another edge to win the championship and to uh, bring playoff hockey here. Yeah. It's a really exciting time for the Grizzlies. And like we said, Grizzly hockey this year is like super fun to watch. It's super exciting. Like if you can't make it to a city where there's an NHL game, like ECHL hockey is not far from it. It's basically like an AHL game right now. Because you got a lot of combination of AHL players or former AHL players along with, you know, kind of some of your more typical ECHL players. But it's, it's not easy for to to for to make an ECHL team right now. Like these uh-huh. <laughs> college guys that are you know coming from big D one programs, you know, to, to just do an open tryout, man. It's it's yeah. tough. So they are home this this next week. Yeah, against the Kansas City, fourteenth, sixteenth, and seventeenth. Yeah, seven ten p.m. So the, I don't know if they do Wild Wednesdays anymore. We keep talking this, but they have a <laughs> Wednesday night game. Yeah, this so week. maybe we'll get to the Wild Wednesday. That'll Actually, be fun. we will not. I. I'll be on the ice, actually. So. Oh yeah, yeah. That's so. okay. There's still the weekend. <laughs> that's actually my birthday on Saturday. On so Saturday's your birthday. Seventeen April, yeah. Well, what are we doing? We should go, maybe, or just yeah, do something. Twenty nine. <laughs> it's my last good birthday, dude. I'm just gonna have anniversaries after this. Right? <laughs> <laughs> nice. So. So yeah. So your twenty ninth birthday, maybe we'll maybe we'll go to a Grizzly game for it. You know, it'd be it'd be kind of fun. Maybe we can get him to say my name. <laughs> submit it. I don't know how far you got to submit the, <laughs> yeah, we'll the birthday happy, announcements. Happy birthday to Mason. It's like all these ten year olds, like yay, they're yay. like twenty nine year old Mason White, <laughs> who's turning twenty nine today. <laughs> he has nothing better to do. Too bad, you know, they're not having like people out on the ice. We could get you out and like out there for the intermission for your birthday. Maybe let me take the red line shot. You know, try and make a little <laughs> tiny puck in the hole. Yeah, but they're not doing that this year. But no, you know. Desperate times. Good old Rona. Good so, old Rona. Desperate times. At least we're, we're thankful to have hockey. But yeah. It's unfortunate sometimes when you're 
you know, because it's it's was it your cousin, right, that does that? You know, the, the he, super yeah, yeah, he does, he does, the, he does the in between the period stuff. So yeah, the voice. He's he's always such a great voice. He's entertaining <laughs> to watch. Sure. He's not the guy who does like the announcing. Right, he's just the guy who does like the in in between stuff. So yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, so happy birthday. You know, if you see Mason this week, or you know, hit him up on Instagram or Facebook. You know, yeah, send him a happy birthday. Celebrate me getting older. I appreciate it, you know. Another trip <laughs> yeah. around the sun before I hit the dirty 30. You know, just, just tell him happy birthday. He just, deserves it. Hey, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate all the love that we've got. <laughs> everybody that's supported. Welcome to Cup Talk. Yeah. Yes. It's, we have had a lot of good support. Oh, but yeah, so speaking of celebrations, um, we are about to hit our thousandth download. Yes, yes. So, in uh, celebration of getting our thousandth download, I mean, we probably hit it today. I haven't checked yet, but so in, in celebration of that, we're going to do a giveaway. Um, we're going to be giving away some pretty cool stuff. We'll we'll post it on our Instagram. Yeah, you guys there, stay tuned. There's going to be some cool, I don't know if you want to call it merch, swag, or whatever, but for the 1K, 1,000 downloads, you know? Yeah, so keep your eye out. For, uh, cup talk, you know, get hitting that one thousand. It's a big milestone for us. I'm excited. Yeah, that's super cool. I mean, there's a lot of people who are like, you know, you, you know how many people listen. I'm like, yeah, it's it's growing. It's good. So it's we appreciate better. all the love and all the, you know, support, and we really appreciate it. And to all of our guests that have come on, you know, can't thank, thank them enough. Yeah, yeah, thank you to those guys because those guys really help you know push the show and make it more than just me and Mason just blabbering. Yeah, without you guys, it's just two dudes talking about <laughs> hockey, like the, the, what you know, sport, what they would be doing, you know, what we'd be doing anyways, talking about hockey, just on a podcast. But uh, these interviews help, yeah, really bring a lot of entertainment to the show and a different perspective. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, speaking interview today on the show, we got Big local, you Evan. know, professional Evan Stofflet. You know, yeah. played for the Grizzlies. He's went and played. Um, overseas a lot. He's played in China. He's played in his last team he played for was in France. He's played in Denmark and now is coaching the the Renegades. Yeah, the world the worldwide phenomenon. Is he uh is the West Coast Renegades? Is that who he's coaching? Yeah, he's now? coaching yeah. the he's the head coach of the fourteen U and he's the assistant coach of the sixteen U. Let's go to that interview. All right, today on the podcast we have from Madison, Wisconsin, but spent a lot of time growing up here in Utah, Evan Stofflet. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, how's it going? Doing good. Doing good as always. Liking the warmer weather now and getting rid of some of the snow, so <laughs> good. Everything's good. And you're still uh, coaching and doing all that throughout the summer, right? Yep. Uh, private lessons, trying to see if there's some interest for some U14, U16 summer teams and yeah, just kind of like my whole life, just always staying on the ice. So that's good. So let's talk about your background and what got you into hockey as a kid. Uh, being from Wisconsin, I'm huge there. Um, I had family members that played, and I kind of got all their hand-me-down equipment. And when I was younger, I just I tried every sport, and hockey was kind of next on the list one winter, and that one was the one that really stuck, and kind of fell in love with that one the most. Nice, nice. It's always fun to hear, you know. Did your did your dad play or No, cousins. Oh, your cousins. Uh, I had a, I had a few cousins play. Um yeah, and it was just I obviously a young kid like like sports and tried everything that I could and hockey's just the most unique and ended up being the most fun obviously and 
that just kind of just kind of stuck. Couldn't couldn't get me off the ice after that. Like <laughs> that was a good decision for you. Yeah, it worked pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> it did, yeah. it's worked out over the years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of good to me for sure. So yeah, you're from Madison, but you came to Utah. Can you want to kind of tell us about that? Yeah, so my dad worked for uh, Sutherland Lumber um, at the time. Uh, doesn't anymore. Uh, there's still one downtown on North Temple, but that he was transferred out here for that. And he came here in 1996 for when I was in seventh grade, um, spent seventh and eighth grade here. And then after that went back to Wisconsin and would still obviously come out here in the summers. Cause my, um, my, my parents being out here and I've always came out here for the off seasons. And as I got older, I started staying, staying here for the entire summer instead of just part of it and just kind of fell in love with everything with it. And yeah, no, now I'm here. Here to stay. Uh, Utah's like the, you know, like it's cold, but not that cold. Like Wisconsin, you guys get like those negative 20s, right? Negative 30 yeah. in the winter and stuff. Like we don't get that extreme in Utah. No, that that wet, humid, cold. And then with all the lakes, you get the lake effect wind blowing off. And uh, no matter what kind of coat you wear, it just cuts right to your bones. And it's, it's absolutely miserable. That is miserable. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the only thing I can relate to that is when you're going up the ski lift and it's a windy day and you just, you know. <laughs> like there's nowhere to go. So, that's not even as bad. Oh, I man. I take that any day. <laughs> oh, man. I guess I got to go spend a, a winter day in Wisconsin and know <laughs> what it's, winter's really about. If you ever want to appreciate no, Utah great. temps. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No sun. Uh, freezing cold, yeah. So what what team did you play on for those that 7th, 8th grade years when you were here in Utah? What organization was it that? Was, it was called Team Utah the first year when I was a second-year Peewee. And then um, we were the Utah Grizzlies, we not even the Junior Grizzlies. Okay. Um, I don't know if it was part of this kind of the iteration they have now or if it's different, but, yeah, it was Team Utah and Utah Grizzlies. Nice. Was that a, was that double-A or triple-A or, or did they even count? Double-A. Have, yeah, okay. I, I, I think it was double a i mean we were probably more like an a team right but, um, <laughs> that was fairly typical out of you. um yeah yeah um definitely not triple a but now you're coaching triple a right yep yep uh last year started with the uh, u14 triple a team and kind of inherited the u16 and worked a lot with the u18 team so it was uh for a first year coaching i got about three seasons in and one so it was, it was actually pretty great break right into the fire learned a lot it actually worked out really good. A lot of really busy, but yeah, man, three three and one was perfect. <laughs> you know, not always the most ideal way to learn, but it, it is a way to learn when you get thrown into it. Right, that like, oh, you're doing this, this, yeah. and this. Cool, go. Yeah, yeah. Was, I mean, there was no, there's no no other choice, right? It's, yeah, I've played hockey my whole life, so it's not that hard of a, a yeah. you know, of a transition. You know, the the kids were great. Um, they worked hard. They're they, I don't, they don't realize how funny they are. So, uh, I mean, it was super <laughs> entertaining all year long. So nice. It was, yeah, it was, it was good. And you're coaching the West Coast Renegades, right? Yep. Oh, yep. Nice. Where, where does that organization, where are you guys based out of, like, your home rank? The Oval. Say? The Oval? Uh, the Oval, yeah. Um, the four teams, we did some stuff in Provo. Um, just kind of mm -hmm. like everyone, we had to get uh, – you know, creative with COVID and not all the ice rinks being up and stuff, but yeah, we're, we're predominantly out of the oval. Okay. Is that the same organization that used to kind of be the renegades and regulators? 
I don't know. It, it I, used to be like Mike I don't Holmes know. I, I think that for a while, I think, but no, it. I think after the regulators finished, then the Renegades came. They're not. They it's weren't nuts, connected yeah. really, okay. other than some of the same players and stuff like that. But organizationally, completely different. Okay, and that's what I thought. I, yeah, I didn't. I was kind of aged out of midgets around that time when Renegades were still around. So I didn't. Yeah, yeah I started seeing young kids rocking the West Coast Renegades, and one one year my men's mm-hmm. league team. Some guy took brought his son up from the U18 team there and in the playoffs, yeah. and he just destroyed us. And I was like, he was this 18 year old fast kid with West Coast Renegade stickers on his helmet. Yeah, but yeah. I was like, hey, they're, they're pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice, nice. So, I mean, your last pro team you played for was in France, right? Yeah. Uh, France on France, right on the uh, Italian border. Um, beautiful mountain town ski town right in the french alps but when i was there not good because we were in ground zero for covid um, like i think it was two hours two and a half hours from milan and so um yeah like i traveled through milan a bunch i ended up pretty much only grocery shopping at this farmer's market that they had that was all people from italy coming over with you know fresh pasta and stuff and it uh, it was pretty pretty weird there towards the end when COVID really kind of took off and Northern Italy was kind of you know ground zero number two after <laughs> right. after uh, uh, China and stuff. So it was it was unique. <laughs> it was unique for sure. Yeah, yeah. is America and, looking to let me back in? <laughs> it was. I almost didn't. I almost didn't get back in France. So I when um, Trump had his press conference and said he was closing the borders, he didn't specify right away that if you were a citizen, you could get back in. And so I immediately went into panic mode. I don't want to get trapped here for, I mean, it's beautiful, but it's, you know, it's not home. Um, and so panic mode, trying to figure it out. And then the next, like 12 hours later, it's like, if you're a citizen, you can get back in. And so it's, you know, kind of a little bit of wiggle room. That was on like a Thursday or Friday. I ended up booking my ticket for a Monday. And on Tuesday, France went on a complete lockdown and shut the borders, everything. So I, I literally 12 hours and I would have been stuck in France for another three, four months. Wow. wow. That is nuts. That's yeah. crazy. And speaking of China, you played in China, right? Yeah, <laughs> I did. It's a wild place. That was a wild, wild, wild place. <laughs> what was the wildest place you've ever played? Uh, China. Yeah. Sure. Nice. Um, it, it, it was, I, I've been all, I took advantage of playing overseas and going on different vacations. And I've been all over Europe and in the Middle East, but I, I've never had the culture shock I had once I got off the flight in China. Um, it, it's just, yeah. I mean, maybe that kind of helped me buffer me when I went to the Middle East, but yeah. you know, you get there, you can't read anything. You go in the bathroom at the hole in the ground. No one can speak. English, not many people spoke English and they just kind of yell at you louder in Chinese, even though you're like clearly not speaking Chinese yeah. to them. And it's just, you can yell at me. Yeah. I'm not going to get it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, unreal experience though. I mean, it's, I went in a part of China that you never would go to if you're, you know, you go there for a vacation or, you know, yeah. stuff like that, you know, met some awesome people and yeah, it was, it was very, very unique and very thankful for it, for sure. Oh, nice, nice. And Were you able to pick up any of that language out there? <laughs> no, I, ni hao. Funguila uh, <laughs> with penalty. There we okay, go. We'd have, I just yell Funguila at the ref. Shabby was stupid. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> you got the basics. 
There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shabby, yeah. shabby well, sounds like. Later. Yeah, shabby sounds like your typical, you know, hockey slang. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> does. Yeah, yeah. Our translator lived with us, so it, you know he he was yeah. always around, and then after you know he he would go off the clock a bit, and we'd kind of venture into the the city and stuff, and find ourselves in some sticky situations, and then come back and Ooh. ask him what what the what was going on, <laughs> kind of break it down and. Next time, don't go without me. Kind of yeah. Big lesson learned. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in playing your, your professional career, you uh, played with the Utah Grizzlies on a couple different stints, right? Three. Three different stints. Three different stints, yeah. It's, uh, yeah once you're like, thankful for that, too, you don't really get that opportunity much. Uh, my first year there would have been 08, 09, and I, I think I was like 25 or 26, and that was the most my parents had seen me play since I was like 16. Wow. Just because I was yeah. always gone and they, they weren't streaming games like they do now. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was obviously awesome for them. And I actually had friends in this community just because from living here and coming back in the off season. And it was, it's a pretty, pretty cool experience to be able to do that in front of, you know, friends and family and, and uh, like, you know, like where you're at and kind of be familiar with it. Cause a lot of times you go to these places blind you can only get yeah. so much info from internet searches or, you know, asking around or, you know, a friend of a friend that played there or whatever. And it's, uh, it's just a great spot out here. And a lot of guys that play out here, they come in with a different idea of what it is. And then within a couple of weeks, they're just like, this place is phenomenal with the mountains and park city. And yeah, it's, it's yeah, well, Utah has been place. a gem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you went from yeah. you went from the French Alps back to Utah, so <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you love it here, yeah, and it's a great place. place. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's got to say something about Utah, you know. That's where you yeah. were, and you came here, and you say you love it. So that's awesome to have you back in Utah, and you know, you, you know, you say this is your home, and that's a cool thing. You know, yeah. I mean, we all consider it our home, and you know, hockey is growing in our state. I think, and but. You know, it does have some challenges, and I mean, you kind of probably see it, you know, coaching and stuff. And what would you say is some of the biggest challenges in youth hockey in Utah? Uh, um, let me think here how to word it. Um, just think. Hey, you don't have to sugarcoat it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess you got, he's like, yeah, well, how do I keep my job and say this right now? <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say just understanding the, the, the importance of trying to play at the highest level that you can um, and being in a place where you can develop to not be good where you're at, you know, not, not be, not learn or on the flip side of it, coach things that help you win games at a double a, you know, squirt Pewee, um, but things that, these, these players can take and move on. And I mean, cause that, that's, that's what the ultimate goal should be is trying to get them to go to the next level. It, nothing would make me happier than for them to play. Like I've played in some great leagues, awesome places, whatever to have kids that I'm working with play in you know, better leagues. Like I only made it in the minors here. I never made it to the NHL. Hopefully I can help them, you know, make that step there and just, like understanding the importance of that versus winning at that lower level younger age group but teaching them how to play the game the right way because you do that you'll you'll win games it might not be immediate but 
it, it, it better serve that kid and that player to be able to advance on. You know, I, I, I try and tell everyone, for me, if if I'm coaching a 16 year because I went to junior A, tier two junior A when I was 16, there's a kid on my team, I'm coaching 16U, and he can go. I'm be the first one to get him to go there. It'll hurt my team, sure, if he's the best player on the team, but it, that's what's best for him. Yeah. That's what's, what's best for my coaching career. Like, I I played a long time. I, I did what I did. It, it does not matter what I do in coaching. I mean, my record doesn't matter. If the kid learns to play the right way, the team learns to play the right way, the record will be good. The record will be decent. And it's just, I feel like people lose sight of that. And, you know, it, it, yeah, it's, you know, small pond here, but there, there's a big hockey world out there. And, you know, to be prepared to play at that level and to realize that they have that here now where you don't have to go to Colorado or, you know, California or whatever and to realize that it's pretty lucky to have a tier one program that plays in the same league, plays against the same teams, um, and just kind of all put the BS aside and grow these kids how they properly should and not you know, hold a grudge against this person or that person or try and hold a player back here so your single A or double A team is better instead of trying to let give that kid a chance to flourish and try and at least attempt to play at the highest level. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, the, the, the wrong thing is not at least getting the opportunity to try. Yeah, I think that's definitely, I mean, I like what you say there because I do think that a lot of teams in Utah youth programs are trying to win on Saturday, you know. They're trying to win this Saturday, <laughs> not, you know, yep. make their club, their organization better for the long run. And so mm-hmm. I think that's a really good thing you you know, you brought up there and, you know, teaching the fundamentals, but also helping this one kid, you know, do the best he can and helping this one kid, you know, or girl or boy or whatever, be the best yeah. they can be and, and not worry. Yeah. Cause yeah, I coach youth hockey and it doesn't matter me as a coach. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going anywhere yeah. as a coach, yeah. <laughs> but these kids, they have an opportunity and you never know. And yeah. if you're worried about your kid and, you know, and that, and, but, I mean, where do you stand on the whole, like, kids playing up, play, kids playing down? I mean, is it – I mean, where do you base that off? I mean, you have a lot of parents that want their kid to play up, you know, because they up think they're – Up in age or Yeah, yeah, level. or level, age. I mean, they want their kid to be – you know, they think they're on that team, you know. But you do have a lot of that politics going on. Um, it's every, – every kid's different, right? Every situation's different. Um, I actually ran into this this year. Um, where it's, and that's another thing parents need to realize, playing double A at an older age group is not as, it's not as good of hockey and it's not as good of exposure as playing triple A at your actual age. Yeah. You know, like you, you, you go to some of our tournaments and I, you know, I'd hop up in the hospitality room and I'd see the, the scouting uh, sign-in sheet and not all the scouts would sign in, you know, I, they stick out to me. It's easy to pick out, but some people, unless they're wearing their team gear, maybe it's, you know, people don't understand what they look like, but you know, at our, at uh, some of our 14 youth tournaments, like there were NHL teams that signed in to the, the, the scouting thing, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, that's, you know, there's 16s, there's, there's 18s playing there, but they're in the rink. They're going to poke their head in. They, these, these, you know, people, junior teams, college teams, pro teams, they, they look and see, okay, well, yeah, 14's young, but they're going to see, okay, maybe the kid's not a good skater, but as a defenseman, he always has a great first pass. And at 14, that's a huge skill and attribute 
to be able to have. So they'll get a little check mark by their name and they'll, you know, follow. And if they're in around when they're playing, they'll poke their head in again. You're not going to get that same type of exposure at, you know, playing with older kids at a lower level yeah, type thing. And, um, you know, it just kind of goes in with the, I guess you could consider Utah non-traditional hockey um, in, you know, uh, community and stuff. And so it's, that's something that, you know, back home in you know, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, it's not as much of an issue just because it's, people understand that it's, they've been exposed to that more and, you know, trying to get that out there and that thought process out there. It's, it's a lot harder said than done, but, you know, it's hopefully it starts gaining some traction, you know, as, you know, time moves forward and the more people I can kind of talk to and, you know, try and help people out, you know, and I'm, anyone asks me a question, I'm going to give them the straight answer how it is and, you know, and it's, that's just kind of the way, the way things are. And it's, you know, it is, it is what it is and realizing that and actually implementing that because, you know, a kid that's, you know, 15, 16 playing against 18 year olds, he's not going to have the same touches on the puck, the same situation. Um, those kids might be bigger and stronger. They're probably not going to be as skilled. And also because they're bigger and stronger, the potential for injury and, you know, there's, there's all kinds of stuff you can go in there. You know, it's just it's one of those things that you actively try and, you know, push that thought process in more and hopefully it'll sink in at some point and soon and then you can kind of really start building from there. Yeah, I, I like that. I think that's a, an important point you make. I I know when I was uh, a U16 player here that was like 2008, 2009, they had the old regulators team and the U18 team was very successful, the AAA team and the U16 team wasn't nearly as successful, but it, it seemed like, so the AA team had uh, pretty much a U18 team that was mostly U16, you know, a combination of midget minor, midget major kids, mm-hmm. but it seemed like culturally that that was, you know, kids would rather go play on that U18 AA team. than try and go play for the U16 AAA team because they're like, well, that team, you know, it doesn't win much games, you know, like I would rather go play on the U18 team and have, a, you know, a shot at winning tournaments and, and going to nationals, but you know, you're not thinking about w- what's going to be the long term, you know, effect on my career mm-hmm. by doing that. I mean, on the do you see like do scouts, you know, typically not go to like those U18 AA tournaments thinking like, well, if they're a U18, you know, midget, they've already kind of been passed up, really, or like you know, if they were going to be a prospect, they would have gone to juniors by now instead of been playing, you know, AA. It's it's not that they don't look, but it's fewer and far between. And, you know, they, they talk about like a stigma. Well, it's, oh, that's a double-A player. That's a triple-A player. That's this. You know what I mean? It, it, there's no way around that, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, you know? Um, you you look at and once again, if you could play U18 triple-A, that's going to have a better, just straight on face value, teams that are looking, they're going to be like, okay, that's a higher level. You know what I mean? Um not that it's the be all end all. Everyone has their own path, and you know, there's there's been weirder stories of players coming out of absolutely nowhere that you know make it really far. So it, it's 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 just like the game where it's just one big gray area. But if you look at the trends of it, it trends more towards sticking in that kind of traditional route. And sure, there's that opportunity to be you know kind of the outlier in there, you know the 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 flyer that fits it, that kind of you know makes a name, but. Percentage wise, you know, you look where colleges get players from, you know, typically the USHL, the North American League. Is it 
and I guess now the NCDC, that's a new one that I'm just kind of learning about now. Um, you know, is that to say that the other leagues aren't good? No, but you see where they pull them out. There's probably a reason for that, you know? And so that should be kind of the goal and that should be what you want to try and do. And the, the best path to, to go that route is usually playing, you know, you've tr- trying when you're starting when you're young, you're 14, 16, if you get out of it from there. Great. I, I played junior A when I was younger at 16. So I was able to do that. That was my path. It doesn't work for everyone. You see guys that age out of, you know, U18 and then they go and they have a good one year in juniors and they're, then they're playing D1 college. So it's just kind of finding that path, but trying to go to where you're going to get that most exposure. And it's not that hard to tell where that is. You know, you, yeah. Everyone, everyone with now with, you know, social media, it all gets posted. Everyone, yeah, everyone true. knows where every league is like, Oh, we had 200 commitments or, you know, USHL every year. It's like 10 players per team. Base every team, basically half the team goes to college that year. So we'll, probably that's where the route you want to go you look at where they take a lot of their players from take them from triple a you know so it's just kind of not like it, well, once again it's, it's not the bl end all and it's not the end of the dream it's just you, you it just makes it that much harder you just have because you're not getting you don't you're not getting all those looks you're not getting all that attention because you're not at the events where a lot of them go to yeah so, I mean, talking to, uh, you know, an eight-year-old, 10-year-old, what are you telling those kids right now? I mean, what do you say, like, to them? What's your best advice you give them? Um, have fun. I mean, it, I mean, it, even for me at, I, you know, I retired at 35, I still had fun. And hockey gets real serious. And, you know, it, it's been great to me, but it's also been super hard, super tough. I mean, there's been some pretty miserable points, but the good far outweighs the bad. And when you're that young, you don't need to worry and deal with that type of stuff. You know, like skate cause you like it. You, you, you're, you're going to develop when you develop, you know what I mean? Like you see some of these kids that are that young, they're huge and it's just, it's an easier game and they, and then they fizzle out when everyone catches up. And so to not get too caught up in that. And once again, put yourself where you're going to develop the best. Um, and that, that should be kind of the rule number one is where do you feel is the best development from competition standpoint? Um, a big, big thing would be the, the coaching staff. What, where, where what, what have they done within the game, you know, out of the game? Have they been to places that you want to play, you know, type of things like that? Because they at least have somewhat of an idea because it worked for them. Right? They, they went through it. You know, where, where's going to be the best place to improve, you know, on and off the ice. And it's, I think people forget about that. And, you know, you get the, the eight, eight years old, 10 years old, like no scout is going to be like, where did you play when you were 10? <laughs> right. You know what I mean, yeah. it's going to be hopeful. Hopefully they have a coach that tells them, you know, the right things to do. Like one of my biggest pet peeves, and I'm seeing it with a lot of the older kids out here is they lose a puck in a drill and they just go and pick up the next closest, easiest puck. Well, in a game, you only get one puck. Yeah. Stop on it and get that puck back. You know, you get, just get it in their head so it, it doesn't even, they don't even think about it, you know. I remember coaches pounding that in my head when I was 8 and 10 years old, and that doesn't, you know, a lot, a lot of the players out here, that, that hasn't necessarily kicked in. And, you know, little things like that. Like, hopefully, that's the type of environment that you're getting, and that's what you should look for is to build that stuff. So, you don't have to play catch up because it 
you know, at 14, 15, that's the Bantam draft from Ranger Jr. You might not want to go there, but if you catch some eyes of that, everyone, you know, covets what other people want. And so everyone else will kind of start coming around for that. And when you have to start, when you're trying to instill, you know, values and detail oriented things in 13 and 14 that I remember being pounded into my head at eight, nine and 10, you know, it's, you're a little behind the eight ball and it just makes it that much harder. Yeah. So, I mean, is that what you're helping people with, um, with this mountain West premier hockey? Yeah. Yeah. So I just kind of wanted to make a, like a, I don't want to say a brand, but just kind of like a place where I, it's separate from my coaching in the winter. Um, I do like the private lessons and stuff during the winter, but it, it's it's not with um, the West Coast Renegades. It's, it's my personal thing that I do with, you know, private lessons up to five kids, the summer teams I'm trying to put together. Um, tonight I had the first one, just like tune-up skates were Mondays and Wednesdays, um, just so kids can stay sharp and, and have an actual practice intense, you know, environment where I'm going to get on them when they don't pass the puck crisp and hard you know if they once again if they skate over a puck and just pick up the easy one i'm gonna let them know that that's not acceptable you know because tryouts come up at the beginning of the summer and you know they for them to stay sharp and not just have to go to a stick and puck where they can kind of you know do whatever they want which has its place and you need that but you also need to keep sharp because when you go to you know a combine or a tryout or a a, a camp or a id camp or something you have two, three hours, right, to, to catch someone's eye, to not only catch it, but then do the right thing again. It's like, oh, that was a lucky play or whatever. And so just giving them an hour of ice where they'll be able to maintain that while this time of year when they're, you know, they're looking to try and make that next step. And once again, as much as, as, much as I can help them make that step and be a stepping stone and hopefully get them to where they want to go, then perfect. And that's, that's kind of where that, kind of came from and what I want to want to do with that yeah and I love that you're doing that when I saw that you were doing this I was like I want to help this guy you know like push this because this is what I think Utah hockey needs is someone you know and I I don't know I have a real problem with a lot of like summer camps because they're so expensive and I really don't see kids getting out of it what they could because you know your coaching ratios are eight to one nine to one ten to one and you know, it becomes, is this just a really good practice or is this, you know, a camp? And so I see mm-hmm. what you're doing and you're doing these, you know, small group sessions. And I think you can really pick apart what the kid is doing wrong and you're going to get on him where I think even in a camp, you know, some of these people that are, you know, helping push pucks are not really, you know, telling that kid what they're doing wrong and what they need to fix it and how they need to fix it. So, I mean, what puts you apart from the, the summer camps these kids are going to go to? I mean, I, I actually build relationships. You know what I mean? Um, some of the kids, um, I started doing this last summer. Um, some of these kids I've been skating with, you know, once a week, all last summer. Sporad- the, during the winter, obviously, it's different, right? Like, they've got their own team stuff. COVID this year made it real unique for everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've got... Um, one kid who spends some time up here in the summer but lives in Vegas he's been coming up you know once or twice a month all winter and so like I like I have a legitimate relationship with these these kids and their you know their parents and their families and 
you know, you're able to build trust that way, you know? So it's, it's a give and take thing, you know, like where I see the kid working hard. I want to work hard for that kid. Right. And so we, it's just, it's a ton of fun. You know, we, we know each other. I, I, I understand more the buttons I can press, the buttons I can't press to try and, you know, push them out of their comfort zone. Um, and that's the other awesome thing with, so the place I do these at is small private rink, hundred feet by 50 feet. You know, it, it's, it's just us. There's, there's no distractions. You know, most of the time people that do these the private lessons, it's, you know, at a stick and puck where they section off a little corner yeah. and, yeah. you know, kind of work for there. And it, I mean, it, you, you got to work with what you got, right? I, I, I get that. But when they come up and skate with me, there's, there's not, you know, some 50 year old guy in jean shorts ripping around, <laughs> you know, there, there's not, um, you know, a, a little kid that Just, loses his puck yeah. and comes into your drill and bumps stuff out. And once again, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I want to, I'm not trying to talk down on any of it. It's just for me where I work out of and the environment that I'm able to create because it is literally just us. And so it lets the kids guard down a lot too, where they're not worried about what someone's thinking watching them or yeah. you know someone rips a puck off the glass and they turn around and look there's no distractions and you know they they're 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 able to try things that they probably normally wouldn't or maybe jump a little higher skate a little harder or put themselves out put themselves out there a little bit more because it's literally just us and them and you know after a skate or two they you know they realize i'm not going to bite too hard and you know yeah i'm going to push them and i'll get on them if they start sloughing off but you know it's they, they understand that they, they're, they're comfortable with me to, to try that stuff that, you know, maybe they might not be, or it might take them a little longer to do it somewhere else where they, when we can really dig in and if something takes longer than say, you know, a couple minutes, that's fine because like, this is our ice. We control all of this. We, yeah. if, if, this, if there's one thing, say I have four things I want to get to escape, but on the first one, it's just not there. There's no agenda because we can just pick up the next time. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just, it, it's a really unique thing. And I mean, I wish I would have had a situation oh, like this yeah. when I was yeah. a kid, but you know, and it's, it's just, like I said, the kids are hilarious. I mean, it's, a, I never thought I'd have this much fun not playing hockey. It, it, it's pretty <laughs> wild. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I get what you're talking about a stick and puck because like, I like stick and puck and it's fun to take the kids, but I, it's, it, for me, it's not a place to teach. Because you got, you know, a group mm-hmm. of high school kids playing a half ice game that are coming into whatever you're trying to practice. So stick and puck for me is like, hey, let's just go out on the ice and have fun. Like, we're not going to, like, work on yeah. stuff because, like yeah. you said, there's too much going on. And I've actually, like, started, like, renting my own ice and, like, doing, like, smaller drills with, you know, just my youth team. We're just, you know, wreck. Yeah you know, kind of doing that. So I really like that you're doing that, like, you know, small group stuff and, you know, and not yeah. having other distractions and stuff like that. And I was going to ask you, where is this barn at that you, you know, coach out of? It's in Park City. <clears throat> um, yeah. I, mean, I, I don't want to give the address. No, 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 no I know, but it's in Park City. Yeah, that gives, that gives people yeah, a good, yeah, you know, general direction of yeah. where, you know, they're going to be going. You know, if they're coming from Ogden, they know and stuff. So I yeah, want to get yeah, that out yeah, there. Park like City. it's in Park City. So, um, I mean, you've talked yeah, about I, like I live. I live in West Jordan, and like I, I don't know. I put on like two thousand miles a month. It's wild. Like, just going it's, up. It's yeah. not. It's a beautiful drive. It's yeah. I just put a podcast on before I know it. I'm there and I'm on the ice for 
some days an hour, some days seven hours, you know, it's, and it's, it's just, it's, it's awesome. And are you One just, time, are you sure. just doing 14 and 16s or are you doing all age groups? So for my private stuff, it's all age groups. I think I'm my range. I think the youngest I've worked with is six and I've had men's league teams that, you know, there's guys that are 50, 60 years old come oh, up there. Cool. Um, and you're never too young to learn the game. game. <laughs> well, no, and I, I look at it like I love the golf. Not good at it, but I take golf lessons, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's it's a blast. And especially with a lot of the men's league guys, if they never didn't grow up playing it, you know, it's it's a completely different thing. Normally they go to stick and puck and play a scrimmage. They have their men's league games. And, well, they can come up here and, you know, I can get them jumping over sticks and stick handling through dummies and shooting, you know, magnetic targets. And, you know, it, it, it's kind of like a, a, a day camp for them. They, they've never really been able to do those type of things. And, you know, and they, it, it's just, I haven't met one person that when they walk in, they're not just like, this place is unbelievable. <laughs> right. I, yeah. And that I've, I've seen it and I think it's way cool. And I asked why, how, you know, how age the age groups you do, because I have a yeah. daughter, she's, she's about to turn nine and I think I would love to have her, you know, come skate with you. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, if I like hockey, if you like hockey, like there's a good chance we'll get along and, <laughs> you know, hopefully I can help, help you get where you want to be, whether it's, you know, kids want to play, they're, you know, they're wrecked. They want to play a, a double, a double, a triple a, you know, adult players that they, they just want to be able to shoot the puck better or, you know, they yeah. just want to be able to catch a pass on their backhand, you know, just anything like that. And it's like, you know, once again, especially for adults too, it's, we're just, it's just us. So you don't have little kids zipping around and they're like, good God, what kid 12 years old and he's making me look stupid. You know, they, they don't have to worry about that with me. So that's awesome. I love that. You know, it's like a day camp. It's like, you know, like an adult going to space camp, you know, or something. Yeah. You know? yeah. And like you can let your guard down and almost be a kid again. So because, yeah, I mean, you ask sure. any any hockey player that you, you know, that plays, like, if you ask them, you could go do one thing over, it'd be like, I want to go do youth hockey again, you know, and get that experience Fun. again. Yeah. So that's kind of what you're doing for them, you know, whatever their age group is. And I think that's awesome that you're doing that. And they can, you know, do you have a website? Yes, it's mountainwestpremierhockey.com. Uh, I have an Instagram, Facebook. Uh, just launched the website last week, so you know, constantly evolving and adding stuff. Um, yeah, I have private lessons, semi-private lessons. I go up to five skaters. Um, I'm not going to go more than that. I just don't want to. Um, could fit more, but, you know, it's just there's no point. You know, like I said, I, I like the, the relationship building because you, you can get a lot more done when you have that, that trust and that, you know, I can really pick out this and that and small little things that, might seem inconsequential, but you know, in the grand scheme of things to develop, if you can't get that down, it seems like not a big deal now, but you're going to really have to lean on that once things get a little bit harder and to be able to do that with more than five, it's just not worth it to me to try and, you know, pad the, the, the stats of it, you know, yeah. um, same thing, trying to see, um, interest in a U 16, U 14, um, summer team to go to a couple of triple a tournaments. Um, there's a form on the website to fill out for that. So just to, you know, I would think people would want to, you know, set yourself up nice for the season. You know, once again, even if they don't come to watch our team play, they come to watch another team, you play good. They're going to put a check mark. That's, that's how I ended up getting a scholarship to Vermont was 
they came to watch other players and I played better. And that's what's literally started the recruiting process. And so, you know, putting yourself in those situations and you do that in the summer, like, okay, we're going to see where this player progresses throughout the year. And they check back in and, you know, it's kind of a snowball effect from there and trying to get that here where, you know, Utah has the potential for that. There's the players for that. It's just getting them all on the same page in the same spot, which <laughs> is proving difficult. Yeah, yeah. But hopefully, and I, that's I, the goal. And, and I loved what you said about your creating a relationship with the kids, and that's what you like most about it. Because anybody you ask, like, what do you love most about hockey? And everyone says relationships I've made. You oh, know? Yeah. So yeah. the fact that you're doing that for these kids, and that's what is most important to you, that's teaching them a bigger part of the game, that you know your relationships – whether it's men's league, youth hockey, or pros, I think relationships is really the the heart of the game. Oh yeah, it it's my last few years playing. Like obviously, I love hockey, but if if I was honest and looked at like my my rankings, like it was teammates hanging out in the locker room, <clears throat> being able to see the world, hockey. You know, like hockey's obviously up there, but all that other stuff started teetering and kind of going going past that, and like. Um, when I retired, my girlfriend talked, got a hold of a bunch of my teammates from literally all over the world, and they, you know, sent in little video clips and stuff. And it's like, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, you know, I, I'll run into some of them randomly at tournaments because some of their kids are playing against. I'm coaching against their kids, or you know, I'll run into them here, or there, or whatever. And it's just, it's like you never miss a beat. And it's, it, it's truly, a truly a special thing that it's just. If you haven't, if you're not in it, you don't quite understand how much this game can, you know, enrich you beyond skating around and whacking a disc around. <laughs> right, and that those are like the kinds of things you can have long after you hang them up and you're not playing more. Is these relationships yeah. and those, op- you know, just yeah, meeting old and old friends and this fraternity of hockey, you know, this yeah. family that you've created and that and seeing, you know, each other at random spots, whether it's kids, you know, playing or whatnot. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, does your, uh, uh, the summer teams that you're trying to create, does that all Utah based players? Like I have a brother that's 15, he's an 05 and he just got done playing at the Skipjack Academy in York, Pennsylvania. But I know he's kind of bouncing around this summer going to different camps and stuff. But I was like, I don't know if this is something that he could, you know, play on a team like this or, or what? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm anyone that wants to try and get better. I'm, I'm there for that. You know, that's one of the nice things with, um, the triple A thing, like for during the, for the winter, like we can recruit out of state where the double A, you know, other teams can't, yeah. um, same with these summer teams, you know, it's, I know I, it's, it's not meant to be like a, a winter team in the summer by any means. Yeah. And so it would be, you know, just having, you know, three, four, two, two to four practices maybe before the tournament. So the kids can, you know, they meet each other, yeah. get a few drills in, you know, throw in some systems for them just so you know they have okay our forecheck is this power play we're going to try and do this and then go to these tournaments and you know hopefully do good but more importantly expose them to the rest of the hockey world and expose them to how good these players are so when they come back or they go wherever they go they know i need to work on this or um, i need to focus more on this or I just need to get better period, <laughs> you know, that's, right. that's kind of the consensus. So, it, you know, it's just wh- whoever wants to please go to the website, fill the forms out and hopefully there's enough interest and, you know, kind of go from there. That's cool. It definitely seems like a, a free chicken opportunity just to like evaluate yourself. Like you're not, 
yeah. playing for, you know, making top line the rest of the season right now. You're playing just to see where you at to you're at to gauge yourself and say this is yeah. how, what I need to work on going to next season or, or where I'm good. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I, I like that. And we definitely need a lot more, I think, individuals like yourself and, you know, talented players that have been in Utah and, and you know, have been homegrown to an extent or, you know, call this home to come back and develop players. Because at least from what I've seen since playing is I haven't seen a lot of, you know, big names from Utah coming back and really diving into the, the youth hockey and the development side of it. So I think it's really awesome what you're doing. That's fun. I, I always thought, like, a lot of my friends, they, they retire and they do, like, pharmaceutical sales. Yeah. And that's kind of <laughs> what I always thought. And then once COVID hit and our season ended early and it took me a long time to get a contract I liked, and I didn't want to do that again. And this kind of opened up and it was like, you know, we'll try it, see what happens. And I, it's just, it's too much fun. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. basically oh, yeah. what it amounts to, you know, it's just, it's, super rewarding it, 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 it's it's fun you know you, when you see that you know like you work on something little or stupid and it takes two months and finally you see a kid open his hips up to make a pass or you know fake a guy out or something and it's just like that that like it was worth it you know what i mean and it's just it, it's just it's too cool it's just a great great situation to be in so that's awesome so is there anything else you want to share about what you're doing um, let me think. Uh, these tune-up skates every Monday, 4:45 to 5:45 at the Oval for U16, U14. Wednesdays, 4:45 to 5:45 at the Oval. Um, the 16s, I think the May 24th, I believe, is the last one. The 14s, I think June 2nd's the last one, and just an hour of you know good drills. Keep the intensity up. Keep the kids' heart rate up. You know, just kind of try and keep the cobwebs off. Um, if you're interested in, you know, private, semi-private, any of that stuff, all the info's on my website. Um, little, uh, you click the tab. It's got everything there. And, you know, hopefully I can start reaching some more people and getting hockey here where it should be. Not even where it could be, but where I think it should be. So It's awesome. I love yeah. that mentality because I, you know, I you we know, want to see that too. homegrown and, you know, I love to watch hockey grow in Utah, and I think it has potential, and it just needs people like you to, you know, push it along a little bit. So I really appreciate you doing that cool. and uh, appreciate you coming on the podcast and, you know, sharing your stories and, you know, giving us a little talk. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate the opportunity, and nice to meet some more people that love the game and, <laughs> you know, kind of going in the, trying to go in the, the same direction, right? You know, it's it's, it's awesome, so. I appreciate the opportunity here. It was good to meet you. And welcome back. We're back. Let's talk NHL hockey. It got exciting. Yeah, it was a, it was a big day. I mean, honestly, I I think the better trades happened in the days prior, and I think that's becoming more of a trend. Like the bigger trades, the more important trades, and you know, the people who win mm-hmm. out get those trades done before trade deadline day and I mean it used to be like every five minutes every ten minutes you were like checking you know your phone you know you were watching NHL network all day and just like trade 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 you know yeah and I feel like today has been like a lot like last you know a few times like um and oh no nothing 
Maybe a prospect gets uh, traded uh, for some oh, draft picks. a draft yeah. pick for a prospect. Uh, you know, yeah. there was a lot of you know names being traded around, but it really wasn't as big as you would expect it. Super hard to top what happened yesterday and, and Saturday, for sure. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, those were definitely the bigger of the days. I mean, you got the Palmieri Zajac, which I think was probably the biggest. I mean... You know, everyone says Taylor. I mean, I think what I'm going to say is those were the biggest names moved because everyone's going to say Taylor Hall was probably the biggest name moved. But go look at his stats this year, and yeah, not phenomenal. And that was like that was expected. You know, like he scratched yeah. the last four games. Yeah, as like precautionary. So, like we knew that was going to happen. I mean, what is he up to? Like three, four goals, maybe. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, we were expecting him to come take charge and help lead I mean, that he, Buffalo team. They yeah. had a lot of pieces around him. He has a, he has a handful of points, but you know, yeah. to say that's the biggest trade, you never yeah. know. Yeah. You know, he could pan out. It could turn around for him in Boston, be the right fit, but But yeah, I think we all, have yet to see. And I think, you know, the Brandon Montour trade, also a Buffalo trade, you know, was also a big one. I mean, I think he's kind of a an underrated defenseman. So, yeah. So I mean, and then Colorado got their backup goalie and Devin Dubnik. That's that's. And I don't know, Devin Dubnik to me is like he's always been really good, but like he's just never seemed like he. He's kind of streaky. Yeah, like he's either really good or he's just really bad, and he's you know. Mm. So you never know. I mean, but that's how Varlamov was. I feel like for the first you know ten years of his career was like it was either an on year or it was an off year, and he's yeah. had a couple on years for the Islanders too. So. Yeah. Um. But yeah, nothing. Nothing really jumped out at you. You're like, oh my gosh! Like, you know, probably the Jeff Carter trade was probably the most like, ex- uh, like, what the curveball? That was like, you know, the, one of those curveball ones. And uh, to see that, I mean, we've been down this road where like the Penguins make a a trade, you know, getting rid of some young players and draft picks. They traded what some conditional 22, 2022 and twenty twenty three picks for Jeff Carter. And yeah. usually they'll take a veteran, but you know, thirty-six-year-old Jeff Carter. <laughs> um, I mean, he's still got nineteen points in the season. He's he's having a good year, but it, that was one I was not quite expecting because they've been gelling. Yeah, your pens have been gelling, and like they've been having these like Colton Zvias, you know, Zvias set step up and Tanev and and like the honestly, situations coming together. Like when you looked at the Penguins like earlier in the season, like they're like, yeah, they're done. It was and the GM bad, yeah. walked away and. You know, I thought they were going to fire Mike Sullivan, which honestly, like, I bash on the Penguins a lot, but I think Mike Sullivan is top five coach in the league. Like, I think he's yeah. one of the best coaches. And, like, honestly, if I was, like, looking for a guy to coach my team, I'm going to go Tortorella. I'm going Sullivan, you know. Yeah, I think John Cooper's now in that mix. Yeah, and John Cooper, you know, he's one of those guys that he just seems like he's always level-headed, you know, and sometimes I feel like that's what you need. Mm-hmm. But... I love Mike Sullivan. I mean, I know he gets a little animated sometimes, but he's, I mean, it, it was a, it was one of those seasons when the Penguins made it all the way and they won the cup, but I watched one of those, like, behind the scenes, you know, kind of, I can't remember if it was called Quest of the Cup. I don't know if it's the one on Showtime or, and uh, they did a really good job, and I really love watching those because it makes me, like, yeah, you know, you love, like, grind, you know, right? and that's why I like Tortorella's. I watched, you know, the ESPN 24-7 when the Rangers we're playing in the winter classic or whatever. And that's when they used to do them. And that's when I kind of like, you know, not fell in love with John Tortorella, but really like grew to love him a as, respect, a, as a, huh? you know, and you kind of like get the background of these people. And that's how Mike Sullivan to me, like, and it was that they would be like, it's next man up, you know? And it was just like, he really turned that penguins team into like, 
a, a unity. You know, it was like a, it doesn't matter who's in the lineup today and we're the guys that got to get it done. So yeah. I think it's, you know, a good thing as a coach, you know, like it doesn't matter if you have the top guys or the, you know, the little guys. And this is for youth hockey too. Like, you know, youth hockey, you don't really get to build the team. Like you're, whether you suck, you know, this year or last year, you're not getting draft picks. Like you're not, you know, going to move up in the draft. There's no lottery for yeah. youth hockey. So, you know, you look down the you line. You can make the most of what you have. You look around the room and you say, this is what we got, you know. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's what I learned from Mike Sullivan as a coach is like, hey, it doesn't matter what group of guys you got. This is the group of guys or girls or whatever, kids or friends or whatever. This got to get it done. And that's a, that's a good, you know, thing to say in life, you know. I mean, sometimes it's it's a job, you know, to do. It's a service project, and you look around. He's like, well, "This is who we got. We got to get it yeah. done." So, I mean, you probably do a lot of that in the army and stuff, you know. There, you know, you look around, you're probably like, "These aren't my first picks, you know, <laughs> of people to do yeah. drill with or whatever, you know, thing mm-hmm. you're doing." But so I think that's a good thing I learned from Mike Sullivan is that next man up kind of, yeah, you know, there's things you can control and things you can't. So yeah, I mean, that is is exactly how it goes. You know, you have military you have people in leadership positions and for some reason for whatever reason they can't show up to an exercise or a training and you know like someone with a lot less experience has to step up and take charge and you're like you know this isn't the way that we wanted you to step up for the first time or be in charge (laughs) but hey man this or you know hey man woman this is your opportunity now and, and this is yours so take it and it's cool to see people rise to the challenge and rise to the occasion uh, for and sure the, yeah and the people that kind of squander a little bit and then you can see the character yeah the people that maybe weren't ready or you know are not going to be looked at take that jump in the future you know they, they don't perform or yeah it's usually know. like the egotistic people like when they're put on the spot they're like uh oh now uh, i see why yeah, <laughs> now, now i see the air in my ways when i was always complaining to yeah, my leadership, you know, yeah like, and that's awesome and i mean we can get back to trade talk we kind of yeah we're little. derailing a little bit but uh <laughs> i think it's a good thing to talk about yeah. you know leadership and you know you know bonding and stuff so and i mean i guess you can bring it back to the that bonding because all these teams you know they got these new guy in the room and they got to say, this is who we got. And, you know, I always feel bad for like the teams are on, I mean, those players that are on those contender teams that the guy who gets shipped out, like, yeah, you know. <laughs> has to take the fall so that and, they can and, bring someone in. And usually it's a prospect, but like, I really felt bad for the, for Jacob Verona in Washington. Cause I really like Jacob Verona in Washington. I mean, I mean, I was talking about FanDuel, but like he was one of my solid picks on FanDuel yeah. and he was a producer and I really liked him and he Did was you just a get young, shipped out? yeah, I got shipped out today. Oh man, that is tough to see. And he's been a solid player for them. Yeah. And so, Business I mean, it, man. It's, and that's what I, I, I honestly hate that term that hockey's a business mm-hmm. and like, because it's, it's not really a business. I think, I think you, it's, it's sports. And sports aren't really a business. I mean, the only business thing that really goes on on trade deadline is like what the Sharks did. I mean, you saw the Sharks in a lot of trades. And it was just they were like, hey, we'll we'll take half that guy's salary for a pick. Yeah. (laughs) You're still it's similar to like, I mean, I guess, you know, when you're thinking about a business, making a product or trying to fill a need. Yeah. You know, you're looking at which player can fill my needs or what what can I do? Yeah, so to the, fill the need. I mean, it is more a lot more about the person, the player, and the team. So yeah, it's and, it's not just like numbers and and paper that goes into it. You still have to know like is this guy going to be a good fit for our, our organization. Yeah, so there be there was definitely a lot of 
you know, that money. I mean, that's kind of confusing for some people who don't know how that works, but like it's a three player, you know, three team trade. You're like, wait, one team didn't give up anything and they got a pick. What? I don't get it. You know, it's because the, the player actually gets traded to that team first and they say, okay, and now we're going to hold back some salary and then trade him to the third place team. Yeah. And so, and really they just like, you know, get a cup of coffee, you know, you paid really a lot of money for that cup of coffee, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're paying millions of dollars for a fourth round pick or, you know, and sharks, they paid, they paid a lot for these, you know, fifth round picks. Um, yeah. I mean, they got Alexander Barbanov from the Leafs, which, I mean, he's a prospect, you know, they signed out of Russia, so maybe I mean, he can pan out for them. Yeah. You, you'll never know. I mean, you'll, you, you, you can wait and see what happens, but. And, I mean, was there anybody that was traded that you wish would have been traded to the Penguins? Mm. I mean, looking at the list of players traded today, is there anybody, like, I wish that the Penguins would have traded for him. Um, You know, I mean, I think uh, what the Islanders did, what they gave up to to get Paul Mary and Zajac, yeah. that could have been a nice trade. I think Taylor Hall was, would have been a little with too much money, and I don't know enough. I think he's looking to be top six, you know, and I don't know if that's where the Penguins are right now to put him in the top six. But I think Palmieri and Zajac would have brought a lot of, a lot of energy, and I, I feel like they could have filled out the lineup as you know to make something like that HBK line. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you put Palmieri and Zajac in that mix, you know, that's a pretty good team. Yeah, and. You know, they did give up a first-round pick, and I think sometimes these first-round picks are a little too coveted. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, you see a lot of, like, Dylan Olsen. Do you remember Dylan Olsen? Yeah. The Utah guy. Yeah. And I was stoked for him. I was hoping that he'd line up, but he was, like, a 28-overall pick, you know, and he had a really tough time cracking the roster in Chicago. And then he went to Florida. Got a chance in Florida, but, you know, didn't stay in the league. And he's been dealing with injury, and I think mm-hmm. he's been playing at the Rampage, the San right. Antonio Rampage. And I think, you know, yeah, he's he's still having a decent pro career. But, yeah, you see a lot of guys that were first-round picks that, you know, end up going all the way down to the EC or they're, you know, in Europe a few years later. But then you see guys that were like a fifth-round pick, you know, that are breaking yeah. the top six. So, you know, I think I think every team should say, hey, we want, you know, X amount of number of picks in this year's draft. But – you know, say if you're in the mix, you know, and you got six picks or seven picks at seven rounds now, you know, keep four, trade three. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that's a good, you know, whether yeah, you're trading see. one, two, and three, or you're trading one, three, and six, you know, or Cause, yeah, two, I mean, four, six. It's not like you only have the draft, and that's, I mean, you, you, what's nice, these teams have farm systems, you know, yeah. like, so you have two teams below you that you're, you're developing and growing players through. So, yeah. yeah, if you come out with four picks in a draft, you're still just adding to that crop of yeah. players that you got coming up through the ranks and trying to make the team every year. So if I got a team like San Jose, it's like, hey, we'll we'll take half that guy's salary for some money. I mean, for a pick, I'm like, oh, yeah, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> Fit him in, you know, and that's where, like, NHL and that, you know, cap has, like, become – but, I mean, I really wish the Leafs would have traded for, like, Eric Gambranson. I mean, he went to Nashville, and I know Nashville is now in the fourth spot, and they're looking to kind of, I guess they're looking to grind it out, you know, and get into the playoff spot. Um, but I really wish that's a player that, you know, I wish Toronto would have traded for because I like Eric Gambranson. I liked him when he played for the Florida Panthers. I liked him when he played for the Ducks. Yeah. 
You know, I think he's one of those guys that's willing to drop the mitts, you know, but he's also a good player. So, but you're excited for a Felino. I am. I mean, I really am excited because Nick Felino to me, I think, is he's one of those underrated players where like he's not like your super goal scorer, but like he's a heart guy. Yeah, you know, he works heart and hard soul. And you can tell he's a leader. And I, and I felt really bad because he seemed like he, he kind of was in Columbus at a time where they were looking for a leader and Rick Nash had left and they hadn't had a captain since him. Mm-hmm. So he kind of stepped up and he was just that like grinder kind of guy and they made yeah. him the captain. He kind of embraced it and he really, you know, wore the Columbus Blue Jackets heart on his sleeve where, you know, Columbus has been a team that most people don't really love. Yeah. You don't meet many Columbus Blue no. Jackets fans. I think they all, you know, 99.9% of them live in Columbus. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. even then, yeah, but you don't see a lot of diehard Columbus fans. Yeah, and I, I like Columbus, and I've always liked, kind of, like, root for them, because I, I like underdog stories, and I like to root for those underdog teams, like, you know, Florida Panthers and stuff, you know, teams yeah. that haven't done well. And so, I mean, it was it was... Nice to see him go to the Leafs. I'm, you know, sorry for the Columbus. They're kind of thrown in the towel a little bit early yeah. this year. I think, I think the last couple of years they've kind of been hanging on. Maybe, 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 but they've been that last play, you know, last team to get in, win one round. Maybe, I mean, what have they won? Only one round of playoffs yeah, ever. Was that win against the Tampa Bay? No, they won. Well, I guess the, was... they won against the Leafs last year, which they counted as a playoff round too. So. Oh, did it? Yeah, that yeah, they did okay, beat yeah. the Leafs. That's so right. Flingo, that did. was to the qualifier, though, right? Yeah, that was. But they did count it as a playoff round, so yeah. So that so was they won that good. one and they beat the Leafs. So I guess they said, "Oh, let's get Nick Flingo yeah, in here." And so, and I really like that. So, but I mean, looking at the you know the the trades and everything, I think, I mean, there's definitely some winners and losers in this you know group and. I mean, my winners would be the Leafs picking up Nick Felingo, David Riddick for a good, solid backup. You know, Anderson might come back, but it's looking like he's not going to return. Yeah. And so they gave they had a little more flexibility, and but he might return, and they'll have to, you know, adjust their roster according. And then they got Riley Nash, which is just another, you know, glue guy to kind of fill in that for that next man up if they need him. So I think the Leafs did really well on not, you know, I mean, they did give up a first-round pick for Nick Flingo, but I would do that every day of the week. So, and then I would definitely say the Islanders. I mean, like I said, that's probably the best trade that happened, and it happened early. You know, yeah. it didn't wait till noon today. I mean, they didn't time. have to give up a lot. Yeah, they didn't. I mean, they gave a first, but still yeah. one first for those two players. Yeah, I mean, you know what these guys are capable of. Versus yeah. you don't know what a first-round pick is gonna. Yeah, but you're be. if you're. And these top teams giving away first-round picks, like, you're looking at, like, pick number 27, 28, 29, 30, yeah, 31. Yeah, they're not getting number one overall. Yeah, you're you're looking at almost second-round picks, so you they, might as well just throw the first instead of the second. So They have some former top picks on their team right now. Yeah, you know, so. Leading the way. So. I mean, the Leafs team right now is, you know, it's a hard roster to crack, or even this Islanders team where you got fourth-liners like they do, and, like, it's just hard to crack those rosters, so. You know, like first rounder, you know, you might not need him. So yeah, I think they definitely had the best trade, and I and I like what the Panthers did. I mean, they didn't like a splash out, you know, for a haul or whatever, but they got they got a Sam Bennett from Calgary, which he kind of said earlier in the season he wanted to trade, and but he's a good player, 
And then they got uh, Brandon Montour, so which I think is an underrated defenseman. So, like I said. And so I think those teams, I think, are the best three after mm-hmm. this trade. I mean, you know, people are going to say Boston, but we'll get to them in a second. So do you have any other winners you want to, like, you know? Well, yeah, we're going to get to them. But that that's the only one I, I would say, you know, I think Toronto and, and New York won out, but I might replace floor there with that Boston trade. Okay. Just to, I mean, it, it is... And it's a lot of it's because they didn't have to give up much. Yeah. You know, and I know Taylor Hall has, he's, you know, he's had a heart trophy went season, but that was more about the kind of the story behind it, you know, <laughs> but he's, he's been a pretty, a productive player. And, but like to get him and Curtis Lazar for, uh, Anders Bjork in a, in a pick, you know, a second round pick, I think that's real, a pretty small, you know, giveaway. That's a, a small ask for those guys. So yeah, I think they could squeak into that spot, you know, but, I mean, and I, I, I shared that, you know, that thing on our Instagram story that was, a uh, it was from Pete Blackburn on Twitter that said in 2010, 2010, me would have been so confused to know that the Bruins would have eventually traded Tyler Seguin for nothing and then acquire Taylor Hall for nothing. <laughs> Cause they definitely did trade, you know, I mean, Louis Erickson looked like a promising player when they traded yeah, Tyler Sagan, he had but, very unfortunate circumstances when he got. Didn't he get the, the concussions? Like, yeah, back to back. He, yeah, he had a very hard time staying on ice. But yeah, Tyler Sagan went to Dallas and yeah, became it, something great. You know, it's funny to see those players that you know were one and two. You know, first picks. You yeah. know, and then they get traded after. So, were I mean, they the same year, Taylor Holland? Yeah, it was the that was the, that, that was, was the, the it was the Hall or Sagan. You know, who do you go with? Yeah, in Boston. You know, and. Edmonton ended up picking Hall, and so Boston picked Sagan, which would have been from the Leafs, and it was the trade that they actually traded for Kessel. Oh, so, okay. And I mean, they trade the Leafs actually trade Tuka Rask also to the to the Boston was, Bruins. Was Tuka, and he was part of that deal, huh? He no, he wasn't part of that deal. He was part of another one, but it was he never played for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He was in their system, so but they traded him for nothing. Wow. Well. <laughs> Worked out in Boston's favor for yeah, sure. Yeah, so Boston's definitely, you know, taking two from the Leafs. So, yeah. Just another salt in the wound. <laughs> and, but, you know, Phil Kessel was pretty good, was pretty great oh, for the Leafs for a Oh, long dude, time. I love Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel's one of the funnest, you know, teams to watch. Yeah, I will always, yeah, respect him. And I loved the HBK line. Well, it was so exciting. And he's he's like on an Iron Man streak of eight hundred and something games right now. You don't yeah, like that's would, one of those things you don't realize. Right? <laughs> you, you would think the hot dog, you know, everyone everyone yeah. making fun of him, balding, getting chubby. You wouldn't Eating think Big Macs, right? Yeah. You wouldn't think he was the Iron Man. Yeah, but he's just like showing up every game, like ready to go. Yeah, he doesn't care. And I I believe I saw him. I think he beat like a Tyler Sagan or someone that in the fastest skater one year. Yeah, the, yeah, he the, did. Right at the All Star game, like you see him lined up, you're like Tyler Sagan. He's just shredded, dude. Yeah. You know, cut up and ripped, and you're like, oh yeah, he's gonna smoke Kessel. <laughs> Phil goes yeah, out and he's got he he's wins got those it, dude. legs, man. He's a deceptively fast and just skilled guy. He's got hands. And he's got those hands, man. Yeah, I mean Matthews is the best guy with hands since you know Kessel in a Leafs uniform, right. I think. And it's. And then you know, there's another soft spot, right? We, we're Americans, so it, yeah. Phil Kessel always seems to step up to the plate <laughs> when he puts that U.S. sweater on. Oh yeah, and you know, I mean, the Olympics coming next year. You know, I don't know if Phil Kessel will be on that team, but but who knows? Matthews maybe a leadership might be the next guy. Oh, you know, with the hands. But maybe maybe Phil Kessel with a leadership role. 
That would be fantastic. Give him the C. Dude, that would be so. <laughs> I would be so down with that. I mean, it's, it'll probably be Matthews with a C. I think. Yeah, or Patty Kane. Is he still in the mix? I mean, yeah, he's still, he's he could be the enough, captain you know? too. You know, I mean, maybe pass on a little bit younger generation. I mean, do mm-hmm. you give the captain of Canada to Crosby or McDavid? Yeah, that. I don't know. Yeah, that one. That one's hard because I mean, Crosby's definitely taken. Is still a leader out there, but man, McDavid is just scoring at will. Yeah. I don't know. That one would be tough. I think I would, I would take Crosby over McDavid in the captain, you know, role, but you know, I think he would <laughs> yeah, be a good one. He's going to be that sound voice and level head. I think in those the pressure situations, you know, I don't think, I think he's already proven himself as Canada's like, I mean, he lived up to his name of the next Wayne Gretzky. McDavid yeah. is definitely really good, but he has yet to win. Yeah, at this level. That's the thing is, yeah, McDavid. Or a gold medal. The so. individual accolades have been amazing for McDavid, but yeah, he has yet to have the the team success that yeah. Crosby's had, and yeah. and Crosby's done it on every level now, right? The triple <laughs> gold club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so. I just remember like re- when he won that 2010 Olympics, he's like, I wasn't even, I, I couldn't even see where I shot. I just kind of <laughs> turned and shot, and you're like, don't say that. Oh, you know, yeah. as you watch the U.S. go down to that, you're like, ah, oh. yeah, but. Anyways, digress. But. Yeah, so, so let's get to the losers list in the trade. The losers, like, speaking of. Yeah, so I honestly think, you know, speaking of the Penguins and Oilers here, I think both of them really kind of, I think the Oilers definitely, like, for a team, you're like, oh, man, they just need something else. They just need something else to go with Dreisaitl and McDavid. And they went out and got Dmitry Kolokov, you know. not a, I wouldn't put him in that washed up, but, like, he's been in the league for a while, and it's not like you're seeing him on the highlight reels. Yeah. He's like your second, third defenseman pairing, you know, depending on the team. And, you know. <laughs> like maybe he'll have some success. And But that, I mean, yeah, you know, sometimes situations you don't know what's going to happen. Like Matheson, I was wondering if he's going to be like that in Pittsburgh, but he's really stepped up. But he's young. And he's had a good role. But he is he's a lot younger. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's still that potential yeah, you know, to grow, and I think Kulikov is definitely already on, on at the back his peak. Nine of the back nine, he's yeah. already peaked. <laughs> so, for a team that you know everyone's thinking McDavid's got to win a cup, you know, sooner rather than later, to mm-hmm. kind of do that, like, why not get another goalie in Edmonton? Why? Yeah, do they I'm, love Mike Smith that much? I don't think they. I, I love that. Mike Smith. I, like he's yeah. definitely fun to watch, but. Do I like rest my, you know, stars on like that? And I mean, you know, go. I would have liked to see him go get some no no name goalie that like has potential that we haven't seen wet the bed. You know, yeah, yeah it's been <laughs> night after night. You know, hasn't been. You might as mix. well go pick up somebody's third goalie that's you know got two games in NHL and maybe won both of them. Yeah, or like hasn't shown up that much. You know, and maybe not on everybody's radar. But you're like, you know, what? we're gonna go with these two guys who just haven't been successful lately. Yeah, it it was a bold move. You know, when like, you I have know. not one but the two top scorers on your team, like you can't win every game six to five, which the Leafs have proved doesn't work. And last year, Tampa Bay winning the cup, they said one of their biggest mental changes is they said we had to realize we needed to win games, you know, two to one, three to two, not five to six. Yeah. And so 
I think they really switched to a defensive mindset and that helped the offense, you know, kind of like grind it out too. And that's how Tampa Bay finally won a cup. After all these years, like, oh, Tampa's the best team. Tampa's going to win. Tampa's mm-hmm. going to win. And they come to the playoffs, and they fall short. And they can grind. You know, but. and so this year, I mean, last year they said, we want to win games, you know, 2-1 to one rather than 5-6. to six. And I think the Oilers are going through those growing pains of, like, saying, we can't win every game 5-6, to six, you know, because it's just too many goals being scored that, like, it gets out of hand. And sometimes yeah. they're on the other end of that. And you're you know, wearing they, your guys out. You know, they really. lost the other night, what, 5 to nothing. Yeah. Against the Flames? Because, yeah, on, on any of those nights, when you don't score the six, yeah. you're losing by five goals or four goals. Yeah, you know? and I know I know, it was the it was the life celebration of Kobe Cave, and, and I guess the players were really emotional, and Connor McDavid you know, even said, like, I don't know what the league was doing, scheduling our game and that on the same day. Maybe they thought it was going to be a you know great story, you know, mm-hmm. this celebration of life, and then going into this game. So, you know, I mean... That could have had something to do with that 5-0 loss, but they got to have some defense. They got to have a goalie they can stop the puck. You know, they go out and get a Jordan, a Jordan Bennington, a you know, Anti Niemi. You know, one of these goalies that like yeah. we don't know yet, and they show up and they might do something. But Mike Smith is old, and um, yeah, not gonna do it. Yeah. Koskinen has never been as good as I think they wanted him to be. So. Yeah, I don't think the Penguins give up like a DeSmith, but maybe someone like that that's budding. Yeah, yeah. You know, the young goalie. Yeah. But, um, you know, maybe, yeah, but in that two to th- two or three spot. Or try and get Holtby from Vancouver that's looking like they're selling everything, you know? Yeah, like a team that's out of the mix. It's kind you know, of like he's a got solid goalie. two more years, I think, there. So, but, you yeah. know, they're not, you know, set on him. Yeah. They got Demko. They're playing Demko more. So, you know, just pick up something else, you know, tr- yeah. switch up something. So, and then, uh, you know, I threw pens in the loser column just because a team that's on the rise, you know, it looked really good. And, mm-hmm. you know, and Brian Burke, I think Brian Burke coming there was one of the best things they did because, he, I mean, he's a let's win, you know, kind of person. Yeah. He said that, he's, you know, we're going to try and win this year. And we'll talk about whatever moves in the offseason. So um, to see them kind of. I mean, it was definitely a Brian Burke move, I think. You know, like, we're going to go get that guy that was really good, you know, for yeah. the last 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> see if we can still be good here. And that one, it, I think it, you could say it's a loss, but then with with uh, L.A. taking on half the salary of that. And yeah, yeah, it's definitely a win. Still being a, you know, he's, he's got 19 points a season, and we know he's capable. I think it's it's one that could – it's it's – it's kind of pushing on that wait and see where it could pan out to be yeah, success. I mean, it's a conditional third and a conditional fourth. So really they didn't give up much for it, but and they, they only I own mean, him for a year. So, I mean, more, it's more me like poking fun that, you know, they, yeah, they traded for an old guy. Yeah. <laughs> and we, yeah. I mean, they, they've done this almost every year for the last, however long, you know, yeah. Like what we got, you know, Patrick Marlowe, you know, at one point like <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah, I actually know, like, had, after I posted it on our story on Instagram, I had a buddy, Kelly, he wrote me as like, this is like the Patrick Marlowe 2.0 trade. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yep, definitely a guy that's on E, but he's still running. <laughs> he's still going. So, he's, I mean, what is nice is he's a big guy. The Penguins usually kind of lack in, I think, size and physical presence. Yeah. So it'll be nice to have him center line and so yeah we'll see yeah so i mean it'll be good to see that and you know what happens there it's pretty exciting 
Um, but also, I put in the losers column. I put Vegas. I mean, they got they got Yanmark, which you know, he could be a good third, you know, fourth liner. But for a team that's like gonna win, you know, everyone's yeah. like they're gonna win the cup. But like in the last couple of weeks, they've kind of slipped from first to second to possibly even third. Yeah, you know, they're showing some weak spots. Now yeah. that now that Colorado's been on such a streak too, you know. It's yeah, like, and that's who you have to play to even get into the finals. Like they're gonna have to go through them at some point. Yeah, to get in, you're gonna have to play them second round for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think this makes you more comp- you know competitive to beat a Colorado. And, yeah, and like I said, I think all of Vegas's moves of the last year, two years have really just like you know, put a choker on that salary cap, and I really don't think they're going to be able to, you know, do much for a team that just came into the league, what, three or four years ago? Yeah. Already be, like, you know, choking Bad, off. Up on money you know, just, looking, looking like a Chicago Blackhawks team that just won three Stanley Cups in six years, you know? And paid everybody. Yeah. yeah. But, but they haven't won any Cups. Yeah, but they've, they've made paid, it to one. And they've already <laughs> paid everybody. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That Le- Lettinen deal or whatever, Let- no, Lettner. Trade right, looked yeah, amazing yeah. last year, but now we haven't seen yeah, much of him this yeah, year. So, so. Stillman Flower, yeah, Gillen, just looking yeah, ageless. Flurry is amazing, and he's he just passed up Ed Belfour on the all time wins. Oh, did he? And Luongo's not too far ahead of him. I think he's like within like fifteen games. And I was looking at it, and he's he's only like fifty or sixty games away from Patrick Waugh. So, I mean, that's second. That, you don't realize how long he's been doing it, Flurry, though, huh? Like, yeah, I mean, Patrick Watt did it for a long time. I mean, you watch those, like, early 80, was it, I think it was, like, late 80s, 90s, 90s you know, when yeah. he was winning the Cups with, you know, Canadians, and then he was playing 2001, 2002, yeah. winning Cups. So, I mean, it's Patrick Watt played career. for a long time, but Flurry, I mean, being a number one pick. Yeah, it was like Penguins. an 03 or 04, something like that, yeah. number one overall. Yeah, it was him, and then Ovechkin, and then Crosby. Yeah, and then... Wasn't it? Was it right after that Crosby or right in between when they got Malkin as a number two pick? Malkin was the year Ovechkin, so they got yeah. So they got Flurry, Malkin, Crosby, and then you know they were able to turn things around and, <laughs> and uh, it helped that your franchise leader uh, Mario Lemieux helps you know bail you yeah, out yeah, of some yeah, financial yeah. trouble in, in more ways than one. Right, so. in more ways than one. House of Sidney Crosby for a year, and yeah, and I and I know I bag on the Penguins, but like definitely the Penguins story is one of those like you know. It was a good hockey story. If you ever yeah. looking into, you know, you know, look at that, that you know, <laughs> you know that Mario Lemieux coming back and buying the team. That's a really cool story. But you know, Vegas, like I said, I I just don't see it happening. I think that first year the Magic was Magic, and they're playing the same tricks, you know, and they're trying to do it over. And it's kind of that like where you go to a party one night and it's like, dude, that was unreal. Or you, you know, you had friends over and it was so much fun. And then you try and recreate it the next night. Mm-hmm. You invite the same people. You, you know, you, you have the same food, same drinks, whatever. And like you try and recreate it. <laughs> and that magic's just feels not forced, quite there, yeah. you know? And that's how I feel about the Vegas golden Knights is like, they're trying to force it. So, <clears throat> and they, and gets even said he'd waive his contract or is no way, no trade to go to the Vegas. Wow, really? And they didn't get it done. They which didn't push for probably that. a money thing and I don't know how much Getzlas making right now and but yeah. He I mean, he's up there. He's, he's on the tail end. <laughs> I think it's up there it's up eight million. So uh, yeah, I guess it would be hard to justify paying him that much money now. Well, but. yeah, and I I think they have like like literally like 
three thousand bucks in cap room. So yeah, we're a little behind that. You know, <laughs> it's a little outside the budget. Yeah. So, and then I mean, I have a, you know the list of wait and sees, and those are the those are the teams I think that like made moves, and I don't think that they're winners or they're losers. We're just gotta like, hey, will this pan out? And that's definitely where I see Boston. Like, I mean. You watch them losing the Caps eight one last night. Yeah, that was crazy. It was un- it was fun to watch because I hate Boston. Uh, yeah, I'm all for Boston. <laughs> and and Autumn was loving that you know, and the game like four seconds in, Wagner and uh, Dylan dropped the gloves, so it was already it was oh, a good beautiful. one from the start, you know. Yeah. And Caps just laid it on, and yeah, so you you lose eight to one to the Caps, and then you go out and pick up Taylor Hall later that night. So, uh, um. Speaking of cast fights, so real quick, did you see that Martin try and take on Char the other night? <laughs> Matt Martin, you know? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. He, he kind of held him in place because he didn't want Char to lay a big one on him. But yeah, yeah. I, I, hats off to still to challenging the giant. Hats <laughs> off to the old giant for still going. But yeah, yeah. He ended up throwing him down pretty hard, yeah. Char, in the end of that. But yeah, so. Anyways, yeah, eight to one, though, in that Boston game. But yeah, and so. Uh, you know, pick up Taylor Hall, and I could see him working, you know, for them, but I could also see him, you know, scoring two goals and having a handful of assists for him and just not gelling with him. Yeah. You know, because you got, you got the production line, which is, you know, your Pasternak, Marshawn. Yeah. And so they're going to fit him in with the Krejci line. And, yeah, Krejci's kind of been that, like, lone soldier on that line, you know, with whoever, and maybe he'll slot in good there, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean... It's it's a I mean the culture down there in Boston seems you know it's uh, it's a little more like regimented and they're kind of definitely like for the team and in the there's not as it's much of an individual yeah you know mindset or personality there so I think Taylor Hall you know he was kind of he was more like the individual in Phoenix and you know the guy in like New Jersey there so and then yeah you know he kind of was supposed to assimilate to the mix here in Buffalo and it it kind of happened kind of worked kind of didn't yeah. So. I, I don't think to this day we've seen what Taylor Hall, we all thought he would be. Yeah. Because, you know, when he was an, an oiler, he was, like, young, but he was supposed to be the the savior of that team. And then they got a couple more first, you know, Nuja Hopkins. Yeah, and he was know, putting up, you know, 50, yeah, 60 point seasons. You know, and so nothing really and, came of those guys. I mean, Nuja Hopkins is good now, but, you know. There just wasn't a lot of team success in Edmonton. Yeah. And, great things going I mean, on he so. had the hall and eberly kind of connection that was doing good but like they still weren't making the playoffs they still weren't you know mm-hmm. winning games they were scoring points you know yeah it was kind of like the mcdavid dry style but not as good did they get rid of hall before they got the mcdavid pick yes they didn't ever make it on the ice together right yeah yeah, yeah. i think it was the summer or whatever i know and, the, and then he had the kind of the resurgent season in hall you know in new jersey yeah, and he, got and he the won heart. the MVP. And it was cool to see, but I think he was still like third or fourth in points that year. You're like, yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't know if he necessarily earned it more than these other guys, but. I guess he know. was the most important player on his team because that really is, you know, he kind of dragged that team in the playoffs by himself. As he we've seen, as soon as he them. left, they kind of just died. Yeah, they dropped back down. Too. And so, um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm waiting and seeing. I could still see Boston, you know. Fun, you know. Yeah, staying just, on that fourth spot, that yeah. bubble. I mean, right now, if playoffs started today, it'd be Boston, Washington. Yeah, and, and I don't think 
I don't. Th- I mean, I know they were playing their backup, backup. Like Halak and Tuka have both been out for COVID stuff, but I mean, eight to one. I mean, that says something about your team. And I don't think Taylor Hall, as we've seen on the Buffalo Sabers, is a person to fix an eight to one loss. He's not going to get you all. He's not going to make up that <laughs> gap, right? That <laughs> in goals and points. So I mean, if it's Caps Boston tomorrow, even with Taylor Hall, I'm taking Caps. So. Yeah, I don't think Boston wants to see that matchup tomorrow. Yeah, so that's what it's looking like it's going to be with uh, the Islanders and Penguins right there in the middle, you know, kind of just trading back and forth first and I mean, second and third. So, yeah. And, you know, another team I think we need to wait and see is uh, the Avs. I mean, they, Devin Dubnik, Soder, they brought back Soderberg and Patrick Nemeth. You know, all those, they're all like mid grade, third line, or your backup goalie. Yeah. And, it seems like those were like the the moves that made sense for them because yeah. you know you don't with so much firepower right now with Rantanen and Landeskog and McKinnon and Kale McCarr and you don't want to move any of those pieces around or mess with their chemistry. So going to get some more role guys and a, another backup goalie seems like the right moves for them. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Were those the names that are gonna you know pan out to success? We're gonna we're not you know. We'll have to see what happens. And maybe they'll get the best of Dubnik backing up. Yeah, um, you know. And Grubauer. Yeah, so. Or we won't have to see him that much with how hot Grubauer's <laughs> yeah. playing. Yeah, I was I was nervous, you know, with Grubauer earlier in the season as I voiced on this podcast. Yep. But, you know, he's definitely turned into, I think, the Venza winner. So, I guess when you have the Venza winner on your team, you really don't need to. I mean. Yeah, plus some I mean, of the top scorers in the league. Yeah, you. I mean, last year. You had Vasilevsky was the Vesna winner, and he played every playoff game for Tampa last year. So yeah, and if Hedman wouldn't have had such an amazing playoffs, you know, it would have been Vasi's trophy. Also oh yeah, yeah, North, it definitely would have been. Smite. It definitely would have been. So, um, so I'm not really worried about those, but you know, let's wait and see if these guys. You know, you never know when those players you traded for that your third lines. You know, Stanley Cup playoffs come around and like. Who, yeah. Who's leading in goals? You know, Carl Soderberg, you right. know, or whatever. That's I love seeing those guys. Like, think Trevor Lewis from yeah. Utah has been yeah. one of those guys in yeah. the playoffs that steps it up for like a Brian Bickle. Yeah, you know, for the Chicago for a long yeah. time. Dude, it was, just it was crazy. Doubling his goal total in the playoffs. You know, yeah. I mean, and then Jake Gensel was like that for his first couple of years. Yeah. Like he was like a ten goal, fifteen goal during the season. Like playoffs is starting to score fifteen in like two weeks. Yeah, it's like what. Where, where was that all year long? You know, yeah. and now he's a he's a prolific goal scorer for the Penguins. So I yeah, mean, it was definitely the team, so. potential was there when you know mm-hmm. he needed to. So, but you know, and also wait and see on those teams that stood pat. You know, and I, 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 I really like to see some teams like say, "Hey, we're doing good, so let's just roll with it." And um, if it ain't broke, yeah. And I really liked what the Arizona Coyotes GM said today. He said. Um, Bill Armstrong, the their general manager, said they've earned my respect. I felt like they deserved to, that right to fight and get get in and stay together. So, That's and like cool. I said, you know, we talked about you know the guy getting traded away from the team. Like, what did he do? Deserve to like be kicked out of the you to know not the club? Be a part of that, yeah. You know, he helped you get to this position too. So, I think it's. I think I like you know trades are fun, but I almost like seeing like you know not to do anything. The teams that stay together and pull through. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, if it's you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes it's just you know, St. Louis just a couple of years ago. Yeah. You know, went from last place <laughs> <laughs> to leading, you know, to leading into the playoffs and then winning the cup. Yeah. So. 
I mean, that's definitely a good testament to it. And, you know, wait and see what, you know, all these trades. You know, sometimes trade deadline comes and goes, and you're like, oh, there's so many moves, and then, like, the playoffs come, and you're like, yeah, trades, yeah. trades didn't do me nothing. I mean, you think about, like, Washington and all those years, they, you know, trade deadline would try and trade for somebody, and they traded um, they traded Philip Forsberg for Martin Erat. Did they really? Yeah, Forsberg. Philip Forsberg hadn't played; he was still a prospect. But he oh, was their first. Man. He was their first yeah. pick the year before, and they traded him. And you're like, now that you look bites. at that. Now you look at that, and you're like, man, if Philip Forsberg was on the Caps for the last, you know, five oh, years. Man. He's the only highlight reel out there. In <laughs> Nashville. Yeah, who's Matt Duchesne? You know, yeah. or, I know, I know. Yeah, he's a guy I wanted to succeed, Matt. She's saying Matt Duchesne. I enjoyed watching him Colorado, but man, he has struggled. Yeah, to to yeah put it, put points up on the board out there in Nashville after yeah. getting a pretty good contract. Yeah, so I mean, we'll see on these trades, and I mean, it was an exciting week. Like when we were recording this last week, we were talking about you know Stahl playing for the for the Nothing Canadians. Nothing happened really, but big, he scored yeah. that overtime winner. That's you know? right. He scored the overtime winner his first game back. You know, in a you know, Montreal Canadiens jersey and, you know, I don't really care really for Canadians, see that, you know, but, but hey. yeah, but that's cool to see, you know, the guy show up. Like, you know, I love like watching the, those guys on the first day they're playing for their new team. Like, what are they going to do that first day? You know, mm-hmm. and you always like hear the coach wins his first game with the team, you know, guy scores a goal first game with the team. So it'll be fun to watch over the next week. Or, I mean, if you've got, you know, Nick Flingo going to the Canadian, I mean, to the Leafs, he's got to wait two weeks. So yeah. we'll see in two weeks. <laughs> so, you know, I think when you think of the big winners, um, if on an individual level, you know, Eric Stahl and Taylor Hall, you know, getting out of Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have a chance to yeah, succeed yeah. now. That, that is, that is right. You know, some of whether or not that, they get the role they want on the team they they can be on a winning team. Yeah. At least they're, you know, you know, you went from not making the playoffs like, Oh, we're going to the playoffs. Yeah, and Taylor Hall only signed a one-year deal, so. And I think he kind of had he, this in mind, and that's why he was like, well, if they're better or worse, I can pick whatever team I get traded to because, you know, I have a no-trade clause. So. Yeah. So and he said that kind of helped him in this whole process of, you know, picking basically to go to Boston. So um, any other highlights you want to talk about from the NHL this last week? No, I think that was that was the big thing. You know, it's it fun to see some of these trades come to fruition right at the end here. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to highlight, you know, Matthews scoring his hat trick on Saturday night. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so, I mean, it's weird to think that only Ovechkin has scored more goals since Matthews has, you know, came into the NHL. And Matthews only has three hat tricks in his entire career. Really? After that is funny. He had four goals with four in his very first game. So he got a hat trick his first, you know, and then he didn't have one until last year. It was like in January, played the Devils and got his second hat trick. And like me and we we and Lex were watching last year, and I was like, if he gets a hat trick, it's only his second hat trick. And he got it, you know, whatever. And on Saturday night, we were hanging out and watching the game, and he scored two goals on the same shift within like 30 seconds of each other. And Lexi's like, you think he's going to get a hat trick? And I'm like, I don't know. He's only gotten two hat tricks in his entire career. And, you know, he ends up scoring the third. And, you know, that wasn't. That's true. It's good for him. It's funny when you hear stats like that. Like, I heard the day, too, Crosby doesn't have any multi-goal games all season this year. Oh, really? He has multi-points. But, yeah, he hasn't had 
more that's than a, one goal. That's and, and he's up there in like points and stuff. Yeah, he's we, yeah he's been in like top ten for a while now. But yeah, like, you know it, it is, is weird cool. when you hear those stats, you know. And like, really, like, it's kind of yeah. like when you hear about those goalies that are on these top wins lists that never won a Stanley Cup. You know, like Curtis Joseph's on that top list. I mean, he he's right there behind Ed Belfort. So McFlurry passed him up. Luongo passed him up, but he never won a cup. And he's yeah. he's like sixth in wins as a goalie. And then you got Roberto Luongo that's third right now that Flurry's about to pass up, but he never won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, he he was, you know, close. They were close there for a little bit in Vancouver. They yeah. had, you know, had some good teams and then but he did have a a great career after leaving there and going to Florida, but yeah, just didn't have a whole lot of playoff success. But it was exciting to see Luongo in a Florida jersey actually really still playing very well. Yeah, so all right, man. It's been a great show. It's been fun to, you know, talk about It has about been a really good and, one. You know, so you uh, should we sign out? We should. Let's do it. All right, dude. You guys all have a great week. Thanks again, everyone. Enjoy some hockey. Whether you're playing or, you know, watching, watching. Yeah. dreaming. Dreaming of next year. <laughs> good night. <laughs> or good day. Last thing before go as always this episode of welcome to cup talk was brought to you by hockey stops hockey stops is a local veteran-owned hockey shop in ogden located at 4590 harrison boulevard starting with the dream and a hope to give back to the community and grow the sport hockey stops is a storefront location open seven days a week and carries everything from gear stickers even training tools they got some local coffee in there they got a bunch go in there and check it out yeah hockey stops also um offers blade contouring and you know, anything you want to do to your skates, he can definitely yeah. do them. And he's going to get you tuned up. He's going to get you sharpened. He's going to get you contoured. He's going to get, you know, just that perfect edge and give you that edge on the ice you need and the edge over the competition. So go check out Corey. Ask him, say, hey, give me the works on the skates. Give me the works. Make it happen. Yeah. So go in there, check it out, grab some stuff, grab some stuff for the kids. Yeah, at a fair price and support a local hockey shop. Yep. All right. Check out Hockey Stops.